everyone. This is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. Again, that's letter P, number two, letter P dot one cause dot com slash boost calls and yeah you can really uh help these kids if that's what you're into support the youths okay. shut up that's don't <laughs> don't don't patronize me really. okay uh, i don't need you enjoy the episode i'm done with this <laughs> cheers oh we're, we're doing this first yeah, I really want to taste this. Okay. Cheers. I like that. Raven, we're going to get really drunk this episode, aren't we? Yes, we are. That is the point. Like, drunker than normal. I mean, look, I've been eating healthy. I drank some water. I took a, I drank a large cold brew earlier to stay awake. <laughs> my, in my mind, I've um, been eating healthy, have like, you know, a handful of arugula, had like a shot of water <laughs> and just epitome of health. Amazing. Oh, sorry. Spinach. Cause like your iron levels. Mm. They were both. Yeah. So how you been Campbell? Well, this week was an interesting start i sunday night into monday i had like a really do you ever have like a nightmare where you like die but then it like slowly pans and you can just see your body just dead i want to stop you right there um i don't have nightmares fun um so that happened to me and it was just like on a very like in my head i was in this like weird pose so then i was walking to work and while I was walking to work, this is, like, upsetting. Um, I see this, like, dead squirrel in the exact same pose, like, on the sidewalk on my way to work. So Do that's that's how that. I started my week this week. And that feels like an omen. Like yeah, <laughs> I told you on the phone today, I was like, I have an ominous story. So, yeah, that's how this week started. It got better. <laughs> I got better. Um... My week has been, I guess, okay. I don't know. I've been stressed because a lot of... Oh, that's... <laughs> You're correct. How was... How are you doing? How, how's it going? How's your week? I want to hear about it. Um, Pretty decently good. Like, I have a lot of things I need to do, and, like, the knowledge that I have to do them and I haven't done them yet has been stressing me out. Um, Because 
ADHD is fun, um, slash anxiety, slash being alive. Um, and, uh, but I'm really excited because uh, I'm traveling this week, which is also nerve wracking because I'm trying to, um, you know, make sure Boone is going to be okay and like all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but I'm going down to Atlanta to tour wedding venues with my sister and my family. And that's going to be super, super I fun. have been loving all the engagement photos for your sister oh my gosh they're amazing she's so so gorgeous and she is so wonderful that's awesome um i was i'm was really looking forward today's recording session because when things were um ominously bad this week i kept on having the thought we better not be watching some fucking horrible (laughs) musical like i don't think i would have had the energy to record like repo like today yeah absolutely Um, not but that's not what we're doing today but before that raven you know what let's we can we can mix it up what music have you been listening to Ooh, i've never been asked that question before (laughs) yeah right Um, i just thought of it (laughs) amazing um i in short campbell i've been listening to good music this week Mm. Mm. um i've been snow patrol uh well not that type of good music. Okay. Other good music. Because okay. um, um, Snow Patrol has that one good song, you know. And uh, they, this, they count. They count I, I you have literally <laughs> edited out all of our Snow Patrol conversations <laughs> so far. We've had multiple. We have had multiple. And you've cut them all out, so I felt bring it up at this point. <laughs> to you be can. fair, one of them you told me to cut out because uh, copyright reasons, because we sang this, one of the songs. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so one out of six. <laughs> Fair, fair. Snow Patrol um, has more than one good song. Disagree. Uh, but I've listened you just to don't a know lot them. Of different, okay. I've listened to a lot of different stuff. So I've been, I've been one, trying to discover, like, newer R&B artists because I haven't yeah. really been listening to modern R&B a lot. So I've listened to a lot of Giveon, um, oh. obviously Khalid. I've been listening to, yeah, exactly, um, some Vito, mm-hmm. some Lil Baby, um, and those have all been great. I also um, d- been doing this thing where, like, if I have a song stuck in my head, I just look up that song radio on Spotify. Yeah. Um, that high-pitched whine. Yeah. Is Raven's oh, dog. He's so cute. And he's looking at me with those big, baleful hound eyes. I could use a baleful. Thank you. Um, so I was listening to... Um, Peaches, like Justin Bieber's song, um, and that really got me in a mood. And that playlist has like Giveon, like her, and like all these other artists on it. And I was just like, I am feeling this. And then my mood changed, and I was feeling like musical theater. So then I wanted to listen to "She Used to Be Mine" from Waitress. I looked at the oh. song radio for that, and then that led me to like "Once Upon a December" and "Burn" and like. Um, uh grab not gravity yeah defying gravity Gravity. and i was just like yes gravity is the sarah borellis song (laughs) which was also defining gravity sings yeah uh such it was just it's been a great music week for me good what about you and then obviously the dream girl soundtrack over and over again a spoiler um i've been Mm -hmm. listening to a lot of mother mother recently they just came out with a new single life that's really good but i've also been listening to a lot of like spanish pop music interesting everyone should listen to the song cuando tu vas by chinoa and it just it just gets you in a mood raven 
would you like to tell our lovely, lovely listeners what musical we are doing today and what we are drinking while I continue to drink what we are drinking? Yes. We're go- I'm going to have like um, eight of these. I hope you know. I, I want that. I want both of us to have that in our lives cool. for this evening. Um, okay, listeners. So today we will be covering the 2006 American musical drama film adaptation called Dreamgirls, which is adapted from the uh, is year, it 1981? Yes, from the 1981 Broadway musical of the same name, Dreamgirls, by Henry Krieger and Tom Ian. And I live. Um, Dreamgirls is amazing. Uh, the overall musical, as well as the film, because I'm sorry, Anika Nani Rose, Jennifer Hudson, and Beyonce? I cannot. Um, the number of times I wrote no notes. Okay, I want to talk about that. I had the same thing because I like for certain songs I realized when I was going back through them, I was like, I didn't write anything down. And like, I've seen Dreamgirls before, even with new musicals when I'm watching it. It's just stream of consciousness. I will Mm -hmm. just be writing everything I'm thinking. The singing and the performing in this made me illiterate. There is no the thinking, best there's way. only experiencing. Yeah. You can only experience the singing in this musical. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so Dreamgirls, the original musical, I really hope you're not going to be able to pick that up on the mic. Uh, he's currently uh, grooming himself, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> we'll see if I can cut that out, or at least bring down the sound. Um, Drug him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so the original Dreamgirls musical um, was effectively meant to be kind of a, a historical fiction story um, mm-hmm. covering like uh, the Motown era, um, and it mostly follows this group called the Dreams, which are meant to sort of be like not a parody, but um, I guess an allegory maybe for the Supremes, yeah. um, who are uh, lead singer Diana Ross, um, which like. <laughs> If, if you don't know who Diana Ross is, I truly feel sorry for the life that you have led up to this point. It, it um, hasn't been a life worth living. It has not been a life worth living. That is correct. <laughs> and, um, and I mean that not like to be funny or anything. I legitimately believe that. I sincerely mean that. Like, <laughs> We're just being honest. Look, for your own sake, please go look her up. Um, yeah, so uh, Dreamgirls follows kind of like the history of like um, – black music and and the evolution of black music during that time so like Mm -hmm. um the early 60s going into the 70s um and we see throughout the story um this is so much more than just a story about motown and the music because um music is of course a reflection of culture and our culture is a reflection of like what people are going through what a community is experiencing and during this time this was like during the civil rights movement um so we see clips of things like the detroit riots um martin luther king's speech and the march on washington um and we see how all of these historical events are influencing the characters and the story um and, and sort of how all of this is playing out um throughout history um, yeah. and it's, it's a really cool movie for me specifically because a lot of the people um, and artists that are shown in this are uh, based on artists that 
I grew up listening to and that my mm-hmm. parents grew up listening to um, and that are an inherent part of my culture and my heritage. And I really, really love just this musical in general. It is, it's always done well. Um, and I feel that this film among, you know, among many others, I feel that this film is like the definition of black excellence. Correct. And so the <laughs> drink that we are drinking is called the black girl magic and cheers again mm, cheers cheers. again cheers i'm like halfway done with mine (laughs) i aim to be soon um so this is delicious it has a grape juice infusion um it's got hennessy because oh yes the artificer alchemist subclass with those infusions yes and we have this deep rich purple color that's highlighted with the lemon and i just i live it's just so bright and deep and rich mm. and layered that I'm just loving it, Raven. Loving and I'm it. so glad that I nixed the hypnotic because that shit was disgusting. Oh. Uh, I wish I, you, I wish you I nixed it before beneath. you made me buy it. But yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm yeah, this drink is great. Not for my bank account. But it's yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry um, about in that. the future, it would just would be nice to. We have a lot of different kind of liquors already in mm-hmm. our liquor cabinets. Mm-hmm. Maybe try working with what we got. Sometimes. Yeah. But I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, for this movie, we need a drink to at least compare to it, and I think you have done that. I appreciate that feedback sincerely. Yeah. So let's get into it. Oh, man. I, my body is ready. Uh, the, there's just so many times I just felt full. Right? From this movie. The, the depth of soul and art, like this, this movie, like, when they talk about the, the history of music and, like, its evolution, this movie really does show that. It really shows the jazz, the soul, the R&B, um... Some hip, not as much hip hop, mm-hmm. um, but somewhat a little bit, um, and and we really see how like black music and black artistry was evolving over this time, um, and a lot of the influence that we had on um, on white music and white artists as well, and and kind of how how the sort of scenes played out, like with like yeah. modern day cotton clubs, basically, you know. Um, Anyway, there's a lot to talk about in this movie, and there's a lot of, like, little details that I really want to point out and unpack, because I feel like some people, like, having watched Dreamgirls as many times as I have now, I, I, there are a lot of little details that I notice to make connections that I think would be really cool to, to point out to listeners. Yeah. So. We start in mm-hmm. Detroit in this talent contest where the... We have just a bunch of wonderful acts. The first act, first yes. song that's going up, I'm Looking for Something by the group known as the Step Sisters. And the Step Sisters are played yeah. by Ebony Nichols, Ricky Rice, Fatima Robinson, and Leslie Nicole Lewis. Yeah. And they were immediately they were a lot of groups. into it. Immediately, immediately into it. And, um, and a lot of the groups that we see are. Uh, effectively meant to representations of real art uh, um, music groups in that time. I think the Stepsisters are maybe meant to be the Pointer Sisters. That's what I um, thought. 
Yeah, because the Campbell connection was obviously the Jackson Five. It was the Jackson Five, and I love like, that they were the Campbell connection. The <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I love representation matters, Raven. Super, super into it. I love that for you. You are correct. <laughs> representation matters at all times. Um, and y'all technically got some of it. Not in a yeah, way. Yeah, we got Jim from the office. I always representation matters. We got John Lithgow in this movie. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, so we see um, that uh, there's this famous act um, who's a jazz soul r&b artist named jimmy early um so we see that his backup singers are walking out they're quitting on him uh we get the sense from some of the dialogue um with his manager marty Mm -hmm. uh, that jimmy is very much married um very much chooses to act not married while out on tour and on the road and um was apparently having some relations with one of the backup singers and now she's done with him yeah. and they are both leaving um and um, so marty's trying to get them to stay marty mm-hmm. marty madison played by danny glover which like oh, i'm too old cast, for this shit the cast in this movie is i love that they went all out yeah uh marty madison uh danny glover if you don't know him again how um mm-hmm. he was in you know the lethal weapon movies he's an actor producer humanitarian he was in the color purple he was in mandela he was a former goodwill ambassador for the u.n development uh program and he's uh currently like a unicef ambassador all in all incredible actor in any mm-hmm. me- the thing about this movie all of the actors are super successful Maybe not at the time, because, you know, this was Jennifer Hudson's, like, breakout role. And, yeah, yeah. But in every medium. Every mm-hmm. single one. And the thing that's crazy is also, looking back, because this was back in 2006, so yep. now 15 years ago. Um, and it's interesting seeing all these people that are now, well, some of them were had already, already had majorly successful careers at the time, um, and were simply continuing to grow them. Uh, some of them, like you said, Jennifer Hudson... Um, kind of got their big big break through this movie but either way it's insanely like going back and seeing some of these artists at this time like beyonce is so young <laughs> that one and i was just like beyonce? oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh and anika Dani rose her oh my god her voice uh, always her herself voice. oh amazing and i love like one of these i really love about this movie and as we go through the scenes like you'll be able to see it but the depth of character development that literally every main character goes through. Like, there's not a single character in this movie that does not go through a major arc and, like, Mm -hmm. legitimately is changed by the end of the story. And it's... And I love it because it's so much more than just a musical genre or, uh, I guess, a a biopic or, like, anything like that. It's it's honestly sort of a human uh, interest story. Film a uh, which is a French term. True. Yes. Um, like Citizen Kane is another example. So mm-hmm. a film describing real life behind like a facade of fiction is the term for this kind of movie. Yeah. So there's a lot of details in here and, and certain like aspects that are obviously fictional, but the general events that it is depicting are based on real historical events and people. No. Um, okay. Yeah. So Mike Knight. So um, now we see another group go up and they're singing me and my baby going downtown. And this is very little Albert in like, the true tones. I love this. Like, uh, good. Like 
60s music back in the day was this that's sort of like swing and that one singer out in front like like sliding if you're out watching this movie and you're just sitting still the whole time you're a serial killer and oh for sure yeah little albert and the true turns uh Ackerman jones plays little albert then the true tones are uh bernard fowler and Burton and tyrell uh washington just like the look the moves mm-hmm the, the de vive. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I can pull it out. Also, the amount of times I wrote ooh in my notes. I, I oohed and odd constantly <laughs> in this in this film. I don't do oohs and odds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. um oh so then so then we see um beyonce's character dina jones we see her arrive and Which she's in a hurry they're running late it's supposed to be diana ross based yes. on diana um, ross oh um not many people may know this actress her name is beyonce Knowles. um so she's oh yeah uh, you know can i say song. some of the some of her credits yeah some of her credits people okay, might not beyonce, be familiar with her yeah Knowles. Knowles. yes yeah. so uh she's been in some things for example, uh, have you? She, I think she was in like uh, like a Disney film recently. Some, I'm not entirely Nala, sure. I think like, Lion yeah, like Lion King. Like, I think that's it was like yeah, making sense. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also. You might be surprised because it's interesting when you see, like, some of these actors that do a, a pretty good job, but they also have music careers like outside like, of what acting. What is this? Like, you're like, so okay. talented. Who like, are go you? Off. Like, that's How have I never heard of you before? Yeah, she, she has, like, you know, I mean, maybe you're familiar with Homecoming, Lemonade, Black is King, literally mm-hmm. Destiny. Sasha Fierce. Fucking child. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. This is a fun bit. I can't. There's right? too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucking Beyonce. And she... I'm always so excited when I see her in this. Because she does such a good job. And this, and this is the thing I love is that like Beyonce is truly a good actress, and oh, it's, yeah, it's like, interesting, yes. especially especially now, like being in twenty twenty one and seeing the image that Beyonce, uh, ha- not even image because she is just larger than life, but seeing the image that Beyonce has now built for herself, um, and and her being like attaining the level that she has now in in status and society and and talent true icon true legend and then watching this movie and seeing her play a character that is that is small is made small and then has to find her own voice and like seeing that path and that journey is like oh my god uh. which is so funny because so many times like in this they're like dina i don't like you for your voice you're unforgettable and it's just like <laughs> it's just like you're saying like you're saying this like I, I get it like like, how like your voice ca- has no personality yeah like in cabaret <laughs> how the sally fields is supposed to be yeah. Sally fields bowls yeah so uh i think it's fields okay what do i think sally bowls who's that uh, what's my brain uh, fuck if i know dude cabaret the <laughs> the main character is supposed to be kind of like not very good so they yeah. were worried about Liza Minnelli because it's Liza fucking Minnelli. It's Liza Minnelli. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I can't get gigs. It just like belts to the heavens. <laughs> um, I always think that's funny that like the script says, yeah, we have to say you're bad. But <laughs> let's be real. You're Beyonce. <laughs> and it's like, and, and like the scene where she, um, 
Effie is like, oh, uh, Dina can't sing like I can and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, uh, I, they have different voices, sure. But I'm like, I don't think anyone would make an argument that Beyonce is like, quote, unquote, not a good singer. <laughs> I mean, there's there will always be people that will make that argument, but they don't listen to them. <laughs> Correct. Um, oh, okay. So then, so they all arrive. Ugh, we're just getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, uh, and then uh, we also see uh, Curtis. Yes, Curtis Hammond Jr. So they all arrive and they're late for their, like when they were supposed to go on in the show. Um, and so they're like trying trying to convince the MC to let them go on. Um, and Curtis by... Hammond Jr. played by. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, there's two people. Um, first, oh, yeah. Curtis Taylor Jr., played by Jamie Foxx. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about who's supposed to be based on the Motown founder, uh, Barry Gordon Jr. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Django and Chain. Barry Gordy. Ray, yeah. Charles, and Ray. Uh, in the newest Annie, he plays William Stax, who's the mm-hmm. Zaddy Warbucks character. Um, Zaddy Warbucks. I mean... <laughs> Jamie Foxx, I mean, some of his album, Unpredictable Intuition, like his music career, also fantastic. He was also in um, The Cellist, yes. which was actually, I think, I don't know if that was one of his like big breaks in acting, but I have vivid memories of going to see The Cellist and seeing Jamie Foxx in that role and being like, what is, Jamie Foxx, what are you doing? You yeah. know what I mean? But he was so, it was like his one of his first, I think, big drama roles. He was so good in it. And it was so also like music-based. The... Dreamettes are kind of like talking with the talent booker, played by Jaleel White. Yeah. Urkel, Steve Urkel from Family Matters. Who's in this for like 30 seconds, and it's yeah. like, what, what are you doing here, Jaleel White? <laughs> um, and, oh, he was also in Quest for Camelot, and just a, like mm-hmm. a fun thing that a lot of people don't know, in the 90s, there were three separate Sonic the Hedgehog animated shows. There was Sonic there the were. Hedgehog. The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Underground. He play he voices Sonic for all of them. I see that for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think that's fun. That is amazing. Yeah, so we see the uh, other Dreamettes. I keep on wanting to say Supremes, which is... <laughs> I mean, they basically are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have the, based on Florence Ballard, we have Effie White, played by jennifer hudson this is being her uh, breakout role um i mean rosaline secret life of bees grizabella iconic performance the 2021 uh biopic respect jennifer hudson was handpicked by aretha franklin to play aretha franklin yeah who had previously been um so if, if anyone knows the song and i'm telling you um like she was also famously portrayed by Jennifer Holiday as well, who also crushed that role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I realize we've been talking about the Supremes a lot, um, and especially people that didn't grow up black probably don't know who they are. Um, I so... don't like those. People. No, no. To me, to, <laughs> to, to me, there are a lot of people like like people that don't know the Temptations probably don't know the Supremes. Um, so anyway, the Supremes were a famous like women's singing group um, uh, from the 60s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, f- a few of their like most popular songs that you might have heard of, uh, You Can't Hurry Love, <gasps> Baby Love, Stop in the Name of Baby Love. They had a lot of love songs. Um, and Come See About Me. And I believe You Can't Hurry Love has also been covered by Phil Collins, who does a fantastic That's job. such a good cover. It's such a good cover. It's like, one of my Phil favorite Collins covers. Can also do like anything. Yeah, he can do whatever the fuck he, he did. Wants, Tarzan for us. 
for uh, he did not have to go that hard, but he, but did, he did it for it. us. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then and we then... get into Tiny. Oh well, no, I was gonna say Tiny... the okay. other Dreamette. Mm. Yes, yes, of course. Inspired by Mary Wilson, Laurel Robinson, who in the 1981 Broadway, the who originated Laurel Robinson is in this movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Anika Nani Rose, um, Princess Tiana. If you have you seen Bates Motel, she plays Special Agent Liz Babbitt. She is Ooh. so good in Bates Motel. So good. Okay. And I don't I've never think watched I, it. I was trying to think of like what we talked about during Princess and the Frogger from Justin and Kelly. Also, Kaya Lamau is what I wrote down. <laughs> Kaya Lamau, um, oh, <laughs> which isn't it amazing that the for our podcast the first thing we did that she's been in was from Justin and Kelly. Well, we keep we keep doing this to ourselves because the first um, the first time we saw Jennifer Hudson on this podcast was in Cats. Her memories performance first, is Which is also though. the first Andrew Lloyd Webber op, uh, musical we did, which makes me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? I will say, I'm glad we've gotten to a point with our podcast that we have like a pretty good fan base, and we've definitely worked out a lot of the editing, audio, a lot mm-hmm. of like, you know, the oh, formatting. movies. <laughs> that... I feel good about talking about Dreamgirls. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Um, so what okay, did you say about yeah, Tiny? So, yes, so then the next performer to go on, and the, the Dreamettes are all told that they'll go on right after this performer, is Tiny Joe Dixon, who hit, who is a jazz, guitar, jazz soul guitarist. Dear God, this man. Who is played by Michael Leon Woolley. Who was Lewis and Princess and the Frog? Yes. He was an AG and the Queen. Okay, KO, let's be heroes. Uh, in a lot of series, video games, and movies, he voices Dark Side, which is mm-hmm. like super one of Superman's like arch rivals. Which his just deep, deep, rich voice is great. But also, fun fact: he's from Virginia. Okay. Um... I realized that I had been recording using my headset mic and I, I feel like I looked at, um, it, it's fine. Like everything's been picking up and it's still going to be decent quality. It's just not my you mic. You just want to switch over now. Yeah. Um, and I had looked at it before and like, I saw that it said Razor Nari Essential and for some reason my brain didn't process the fact that that was my headset instead of whatever. It's fine. Uh, I've started a new track. I've adjusted my audio. Things are going to be okay. We'll just have yeah. a little bit of um, not as quality audio. Yeah, That's it's fine. fine. It's fine. And so he's also from Virginia. Yeah. We have a lot of fair, um, fair very facts, talented. It's, it's close enough. It's um, fine. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of really talented like artists and just people in general from Virginia, especially Hampton Roads. I was go- yeah, I was going to say Jay-Z. Pharrell Williams. Oh. Uh, Missy Elliott. Also oh, Timberland. Yeah, Missy Elliott. And there's also, especially in, like, Nova area, there's, like, a lot of, like, super great actors. Like, Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Presidents. <laughs> I don't give a fuck <laughs> about them. Um, so, yeah, Tiny Joe Dixon, Taking the Long Way Home. This is a song that just fucking moves you. This is Like, a song my shoulders of... immediately, I was just, I, like, receded into myself so I could, like, make my body concave so I can, like, hold all the music, you know? 
this is the song, uh, this is the type of song that my um, <clears throat> forebears would have described as a brown liquor song. And oh. I just, ooh. Like, imagine just sipping on some whiskey or some, ooh, or some Henny while <laughs> listening to this song in a jazz club. Like, with the, ooh, just like some cigar I don't go to enough in the jazz air. It's like clubs. a little bit of tobacco pipe smoke. Ooh. I used to go to so many jazz clubs, but have not in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Need, they're fun. Need, they're fun. I love they're them so place. much. Also, miss being in jazz band. Yeah, Damn. I'm gonna be going back to New Orleans soon, and I, oof, I really want to go to one. Oh, that was like the main reason I went to New Orleans was just yeah. to hear the music. Yeah. So while he is playing, um, Effie is late. Effie comes, mm-hmm. and they notice that the stepsisters have the same kind of wig as they do but yes. they want to stand out so dina's just like quick turn your wigs turn around wigs around but just it's creative it's a it look. was creative didn't it didn't look bad nope effie does not also, go for it though oh no hmm foreshadowing mm. Mm. <laughs> i wrote down fuck it up tiny a bunch yeah um i love this performance so much and like also, movies. how good is just, like, the vamping music in between acts? Oh, for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> Incredible. I just, it never stops. It just, the energy just keeps going and it builds. And then we get into the Dreamettes performance. Um, I'm sorry, the Courageous, the Curvaceous, Cremettes. Um, gross. Gross. Uh, I like that. And <laughs> right before they it. go on, like, some of the guys were just trying to get, like, kind of handsy with them. And yep. Effie's just like, back the fuck up. Yup, she don't take no shit. No, she doesn't. Um, and so we get into the song "Move," and my Which first move note I is did. "Kill It, J Hud." <laughs> I couldn't. She I like couldn't stop uh, smiling. Amazing. And amazing. Do you? I don't understand this phenomenon because I was like smiling. I was just like you know bopping around when the song was going on, but when it was over, I was out of breath. Like I did something. Like, yeah, like it's like your body gets so into it that when it's over, it's like, oh, that was that was a whole. We're we're through now. We made it. Like th- through a lot, most of the songs in this afterwards, I'm like, why am I struggling to breathe? I'm literally just sitting here hydrating. I feel. And that. it happened a lot. I'm just like, <gasps> <laughs> I guess I wasn't breathing then when I was listening mm, to concerned. this. Um, so that's real cool. I mean, it does take your breath away. The, the music of these wonderful artists can literally stop a involuntary human reflex. <laughs> Just the powerhouse. Breathing. And there are so many times that the three of them hit a harmony together that just like resonates in your soul in my bones uh, especially later in family there's one that i want to talk about that just ooh, <gasps> ooh, ooh, and you know you know the exact what i'm talking yes, about yes i uh, do um so, so during this performance we see curtis uh, everyone's kind of super into side. this everyone's super into it um and you see curtis is like talking to marty clearly trying to set up some sort of deal or something um and at the end, when they're coming off stage, you notice that the MC gets their name right this time. There's yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And I you thought. also see Curtis uh, spend spend some money. Mm-hmm. Saying I uh, bet that they don't win. 
Yeah. Um, basically, he pays off the MC to make sure that they lose so that they'll be just upset enough that they'll accept a, not necessarily lowball, but his offer when he doesn't have a lot to offer. Because yeah, he's because the, the winner would have um, had like a gig at that theater for like a week. And yes. They, they, they have stuff they need to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, so Curtis then <clears throat> offers basically to be their manager and to sign them as Early's backup singers. Um, and it, you know, Effie takes In a point where Dina and the rest of them are very upset, like, we didn't win. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. We keep on doing these talent guys. It's like, what's the point of what we're doing? Yeah. Like, like we're good, so but it's like not worth it. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, when Curtis intervenes and be like, yeah, you are good, you're talented, but that's not enough. Sucks. Yeah. However, yeah. I'm your guy. I can, yeah, I can, I can fix it for you. Like, I can, you know, get you everything you want, like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, typical smooth talker, you know? Um, and I, I, I really love it. This is where you see the beginning of their character development because Dina, Effie, and Laurel are such, like, they're such vivid characters. Like, you really see who they're each people. of them is. And yeah, they're really people. And you really see who each of them is and, like, their motivations. And that's the beautiful thing, I, I think, about the storytelling is that at, at every point in the movie, you understand every character's motivations because they're, they're written and played well. Because they're people. And, um, and so here we see Dina is just super, like, overjoyed just ecstatic that they're even getting this opportunity effie is like mm, okay but like what's gonna go wrong and like i gotta protect she thinks uh backup singing is a trap and we'll yeah never she's like i it. i'm worth more than that like what about my career like blah 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 like she's very correct focused and very much like i need to look up for myself and for my brother and make sure that we get where we need to go um, because her her brother um composes their music does yes. their choreography mm -hmm. uh cc um, who is played by, um, yeah, Clarence Keith, uh, Conrad White, played by Keith D. Robinson, yes. who um, inspired, by, inspired by the Motown vice president, artist, producer, songwriter, Smokey Robinson. Yes. And he's been in, like, a bunch of things. Like, uh, he was in Saints and Sinners, American Dreams. This guy yes. puts in the fucking work. Tell us about it, Campbell. Tell us, like, he is the music man. Yes. Do you oh, know yes. who I... I had this weird dream the other day. It wasn't a weird dream. It was a great dream. It was, like, a new music man was coming out. And guess who mm -hmm. was starring as the music man? Who? Janelle Monet. Ooh! And why is that not a thing? That that would be a really cool... They are like, the music version man. Of the, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm upset that's not reality. Oh, oh, I would love to see that. Um, ooh, I would love to see that. Um, <laughs> yeah, just right. <laughs> ooh. Um, okay, so then we see right um, the they're introducing the Drury Mats to Jimmy and like trying to get him into the idea of the Mets' backups. Um, so we hey, get uh, to the song. Who is Jimmy? Eddie Murphy. Maybe one of like the biggest movie stars of all time. Correct. Um, and and the thing the thing that I I I truly I think everyone generally loves Eddie Murphy. He's just like one of those com like one of those comedians, actors, producers, directors. He does mm -hmm. everything at this point. Um but I I don't know if people outside of the black community understand just how fucking 
loved Eddie Murphy. Like, Eddie, I, I truly feel like Eddie Murphy, like, I don't know, I don't even know who to compare him to. Like, maybe he's on Robin Williams. Like, he just, he's amazing, and he's fantastic. Um, not being part of the black community, surprise. Um, I don't know anyone growing up who did not love Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Because it's... he's... He fucking Eddie Murphy. Hit after hit and like all Him as Gumby movies. in Saturday Night Live, I still uh, cry laughing about. Did you did you ever watch Coming Norman? to America? He was Dr. Fucking Coming Doolittle. to America. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Prince Akeem. I haven't watched Coming to America too, and I'm so excited. Oh, also, wait. and like, I mean, this is uh, what a lot of people know Eddie Murphy for, and like he did great in it, of course. But it's just like scraping the surface. But like Donkey oh yeah to me i honestly i don't even think of donkey as an eddie murphy role it's just like that's something eddie murphy just did on the side for fun yeah no exactly and like (laughs) and like i do get upset if people think it was like oh that's like eddie murphy's like thing it's like no this is just like that i think feel like that was for shits and giggles yeah yeah To, to me like that's robin williams doing the genie where it's like yes he made that role iconic and he brought so much to that role but like that's just the tip of the iceberg for him yeah exactly yeah yeah. Eddie um, fucking Murphy. Uh, and and I love that, like, he can sing, and you do see it, like, throughout this Again, movie. these people in any medium in of art they medium. do, they can do it all. They can do Again, it all. Campbell, black excellence. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just... Uh, I just uh, again, I just be, get so full from this movie. Yes. And I love how uh, when they're uh, practicing the song, you get to see, like the showcase oh, like each of their voices he briefly, is so smooth and how they like work to uh it's just so beautiful and yeah, fake I your way to the top when they hit that chord on always so real and they all came together <laughs> i literally wrote jesus fuck stereophonic heaven because <laughs> it's it's just it's really interesting to see jimmy as a character because we to this point we know him as like a womanizer and yes we see him kind of, you know, you know, predatory behaviors, but also he is an artist, musician. Yeah. He may be like, Oh, you're hot or whatever, but he's also like listening and looking for something Mm -hmm. for these backup singers. And when they do have their one-on-one, especially when they get to Effie, he says, shit, I'd know you had you like, you'd have it. And she was like, yeah, I know I'm great. And I'm like, okay, cool. At least that respect is there. There is like there is still that recognition of like you you all are legitimately talented and I, I recognize and understand that. And talk about like a new group now working with this well known performer mm-hmm. for where they're at. Just just learn the song. Okay, we're singing in this mic. And you I think it's like really cool acting because it's you see them teach and learn and come yes. up with choreography while they're performing while on they're stage. performing oh my gosh it's just I like think... little things they're like they're like looking at each other singing they got the harmonies they heard the song and stuff but then you see i think like either like dina or effie does some like little kick thing and they all like nod while they're singing and be like cool now we got it we're like they can do a million things at once because they're professionals yes and they are incredible and they and I the just like details like that point are just, I, I just love in this movie. 
Yeah, and, and at this point, the three of them have been singing and dancing together, trying to get to this point for, what, six years? Because they said since we were 12, I think right now they're 17. So I think it's been five years so far because they're about 17 going on 18. Oh, yeah. They'll let us know when they're 18. I'm oh, a woman. I am I, a woman. I am a woman now. <laughs> and, and Dina's like, yeah, no shit. I <laughs> like know. I know. It's like, who told you? You, you won't <laughs> shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah fake your way to the top is a great song yes and we see them um, going on the road like going on tour with jimmy now mm-hmm. um and we see you see different montages of them like leaving home and stuff yes. like that and, and we also dina... see like oh go ahead i was gonna say dina like doesn't really tell her mom no she's about what she's doing she's she like sleeping. leaves a note for her mm-hmm. her mom may um, um play, and we also played see, by like... uh yvette Kaysen, who there's just like mm, yes. a couple things she's been in that are just super cool that I want everyone to know about. Um, she's been like in A Wrinkle in Time, Shameless, Why Women Kill, but uh, Larry Powell, uh, he adapted his play into this like multi-part like web series thing called The Gays No Homo, which Raven, it is incredible everyone should go to the gaze as in g-a-z-e series.com so you like find like information about where you can watch the episodes things like that but it's about um in the most like rudimentary concise sense but queer uh people of color against historically white art spaces mm-hmm. and trying to navigate their ways through that and it's incredible okay. and she's in it so everyone everyone go to the gay series.com i'll yeah. include it in the um, yeah we can include it in the description that's super awesome yeah it's just um it, it, it's like from the past like couple years it's yeah. incredible yeah and and one of the things i i love about these early scenes is that you really see like there is a lot of foreshadowing again with their character development and where the story is going um in in these um in these early scenes like even while we're watching them go on tour and we're watching them uh grow into this life like being jimmy early's backup uh, singers and stuff uh we see that effie is bored uh she clearly wants more than this um but she's kind of like in her mind, she's kind of like swallowing her pride and saying like, okay, yeah, I just need to do this for now to get ahead. Um, We see that Dina is again like overjoyed in her mind. She's like, I can't, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. She's just, she's doing the job. She's just doing the job and like, this is this is where I want to be and where I want to go, you know? Tell me where to um, stand, what to do, and I I am doing this. And I'll do it, you know? Um, And Laurel is just enamored with the life but also enamored with Jimmy. Um, and we see how each of those aspects enthralled. is going to enthralled with Jimmy, um, who's basically like grooming her. It's oh yes, do not Bad. care for it. Gross. Um, and yeah, and, and we see how like these particular key elements are going to shape their actions and the decisions and how the story moves over the course of the of the rest of the movie. And I, I yep. love that you you begin to see that super early on. And Jimmy is also supposed to be like an amalgamation of. Um, R&B soul singers like James Brown, Marvin Gaye, just kind of yeah. like oh yeah, um, Marvin Gaye was a musical song. genre mm-hmm. in a time as a person. Yes, basically. 
Correct. Um, and one of the things, there are a lot of little lines that are super cring- cringy in a, in a truly like just dis- almost disturbing way when you think about them mm-hmm. uh, because of the, the nature and the times and the culture that these individuals are supposed to be representing. Um, and like, for example, there's a scene um, <laughs> during this whole montage yeah. where they're on the tour bus and Laurel sneaks back to go talk to Jimmy. Who's oh, been, again, before trying to with her. Jimmy yeah, gets yeah. stopped. Yes. And <laughs> the, the woman says, that back there is Harlem, up here is Hollywood. Get the fuck away from her. Enough said. <laughs> say, yeah. say less. Um, and uh, but there's another scene where Aunt Ethel, uh, that's who she is, and, and yeah. she falls asleep. And so Laurel sneaks to the back of the bus um, to, to talk to Jimmy. And he's like, and they're flirting and he's kissing her and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, aren't you married? And he's just like, everyone knows I'm married, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, uh, well, then you get your merry hands off of me. And she goes back up to the front of the bus. And then you see Effie's face is, oop. <laughs> and Jimmy says, oh, so it's going to take two weeks. Got it. And I was just like, no. <laughs> She's like 17, maybe 16, because I think Dina was 16 at the beginning. She was at the, at the beginning, and then yeah. there's a line Curtis says later. Yes, yeah. that I also wrote down. That yeah. is also problematic. We'll talk about when we get there. Uh, but speaking of which, I want more to drink. Yes. Drink numerous. Uh. 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 I'm so full. I, I, I was about to, I was literally about, uh, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Listeners, listeners, uh, Raven and I keep on having many tangents that were just so full of love for one another. That's just being amplified by this musical and this drink. It's <sighs> Hennessy. Um, but I, we're just so... This is great. I'm having a wonderful time, Raven. I, just... I don't have a bad time recording with you unless we, like, fight while we're playing. Yeah. Um, but then it works out. But I'm having a really fun time tonight. And, like, similar to you, Campbell, I... The simple mm. knowledge mm. that we were doing Dream Girls <sighs> made me happier this week. Yeah. The simple knowledge that that's what I got to I need it from the uh, Premonition Squirrel corpse i saw oh dear god <laughs> moving on from that moving um, right along. <laughs> so we we get to the um rainbow uh car dealership where like they sell catalogs and stuff but that's where curtis works um and so we see him and he's like doing the salesman thing and this is like just a little little tiny interaction that i love yeah but we open on the scene and we see curtis is selling to this young black couple and the woman is wearing a like blue and purple dress. And he's like, oh, yeah, the periwinkle seats in the car like match your dress, blah, blah, blah. It's so cute. Um, and then I think Marty, I, th- I think it's Marty and Jimmy that, that roll up or maybe someone else um, yeah. that roll up. And he's like, oh, excuse me, like I got to take this. And then he has his sales associate um, come and, and take over, basically. And when his sales associate sits down, he immediately says, oh, the periwinkle seats match your dress. I'm like, I is love it Wayne? That. I think Wayne. Who is Wayne? Doesn't have like doesn't have too too much screen time. No, compared well, you do see to him throughout. Yeah, the yeah. Movie. but yeah. compared to like what he's done, mm-hmm. no. Um, Hinton uh, Battle plays Wayne. It's been in like some TV shows like Buffy, Quantum Leap, uh, mm-hmm. but he also in 1975 originated originated the role of the Scarecrow in The Wiz. 
mm-hmm. that Michael Jackson then played in the 1978 film version. Um, he's been he's won three Tony Awards, all for Best Actor Featured Role Musical. Mm-hmm. 1981, Sophisticated Ladies. 1984, The Tap Dance Kid. 1991, Miss Saigon. Yep. Which is really interesting. People know him for his, like, tap dancing, but he didn't, like, learn to tap dance till the tap dance kid, so. Interesting. Again. Just talented. Talented just all talent. around. Like, yeah. they, they did not skimp on this film adaptation, oh, and I no. love that so much. Um, and there's a there's a quote by Diana Ross, because people always ask, it was like, oh, did you watch it? Did you watch it? Especially, there was this one article I read when she, when around this was coming out, and people, like, kept on asking her, um, if she's seen it, as, as they've described it, a thinly veiled history of the dream girls that she said, um, that, that at the time she hasn't seen yet. She joked around and she was like, maybe I should see it with my lawyer. <laughs> um, but then she, Lulz? yeah, but then she said, I've only heard what everybody else says. That's very much my image and likeness. So if I had an opportunity to influence any of these beautiful, talented young people, then I'm excited about it. Aww. That's amazing. Icon. Diva. Fucking. Diana Ross. Fucking icon. Yeah. Um, and then, and yeah, I guess for anyone who doesn't know Diana Ross, um, so like part of Dina Jones's story in this movie, again, being into my right, Diana Ross, um, she was married to Robert Ellis Silverstein, who was also a music, not Barry Gordy, but also a music executive. Um, yeah. And like businessman and everything. And she is the mother of uh, they are both the parents of Tracy Ellis Ross, uh, who is fantastic and abundant and amazing and, again, black excellence. <laughs> just That should just be the description for this episode. Black I mean, excellence. Just, we watch that, Dream that's Girls. It. That's it. That's all you need. Um, that makes it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So we yeah. see um, Curtis they have is like, now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So we see Curtis is now trying to sell uh, Jimmy Early basically on CC as like a songwriter and basically getting the group to like work together. Um, so here's my thing, and this is what I hate about like Marty's character and for Danny Glover. But like Marty is doesn't have an opinion outside of Jimmy Early. Like he is he's his manager and he's basically a yes man at this point in the movie at this point in the story. Um, and so he's basically just trying to stroke Jimmy's ego and like tell him whatever he wants to hear. Um, not a big ego. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. Um, and Curtis, uh, does eventually convince Jimmy, uh, cause he starts hearing Cece playing, um, the hook for Cadillac car, which is the next song coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he like kind of gets into it, starts talking at the blue blue, which is a fun also, Raven, why don't you have a neon sign? Why don't I? Yeah. That says, like, Raven's Roost or something like that. Ooh. Ooh. I that was going to get it for you for Christmas, uh, but I didn't think it would come in in time. So I, I, I figured out something else that I'll make and put together. That is um, at no point in my life been a thing I've ever considered buying. Uh, but if I had, like, a house where I could have, like, a separate, like, lounge room i feel like i would totally have one like if it was like either like a ruby red or a deep purple neon light fuck you already know me you already know yeah correct 
I'm or like a nice you up amber. This Christmas. I love I love an amber ambiance. You know. Yeah, which I think is hard for neon. It is very difficult for neon, but that's why we have candles. So that's why we have candles. Indeed. Um, you can just switch back and forth. Anyway, so we get into the song Cadillac Car, and this is like their first kind of like big hit. I love this song. Um, that tenor sax. That is playing. Um, I don't know if this is exactly the person, but they're like uncredited as sax player. Mm-hmm. So, Jamar Welch, if you're listening, I'm in love as, with you. As he obviously is. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yes. Um, so smooth. Cadillac car. It's so good. This is. Because, uh, like, Cece and the Dreamettes are killing it together crushing it and this song is meant to be getting people like buying cadillacs and, and building up uh boosting up the car the car dealership business which is there like curtis's intent is to use that to fund their music record yeah. business so that's kind of like the goal of this and to get them on the radio where they recorded in the garage in a garage yeah, using like chains and like hubcaps and stuff like that to help make some of the background of music sounds which we all we love we love that yeah yeah, so they, like, put it on some, like, local radio, and when they're, like, selling, like, Cadillacs, they, like, give them a copy of the music and be like, oh, yes. here you go as well. Just, like, you know, spreading the way word. To, yep, the yeah. good word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I hate this so much. Dave me... and the Sweethearts. Mm. Like, mm. what in the skim milk <laughs> did they do to this song? Like because I, even uh, even in hairspray, like the new girl in town, the the white version was at least good. It was at least good. This <laughs> like, was, it was like a song oh, that you can stand to listen you to. know what music's for? Standing completely still, <laughs> maybe swaying on one and three. I have I have three notes and in saying all caps. some slurs. That's have, what that was giving me. I have three notes in all caps. Um, hate the scene. Why the fuck are you even playing an electric guitar like that? Uh, why can none of these people dance? It's just... Every, every single couple is offbeat in a different way. No. And I hate that. And it's them. not in like a syncopation <laughs> way. No. Like... Tis not. If you could have a random, like random beats going off at once and have like the one instance that you cannot formulate any kind of beat or overall rhythm with it because usually you can find a beat in anything yeah they found the one combination that you cannot that you cannot and the like, thing i think honestly the thing that i hate the most about this is that the harmonization that the girls are doing in the background that i love that I love the way that sounds, and I hate that for myself. <laughs> like, I hate that uh, when I listen I, to like, this. I, like, actually <laughs> didn't like it. Like, usually, like, the singing, like, their singing was, like, you know, good. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like a vampire drained mm-hmm. a body, and the corpse is now this song. Yeah, no, no. So, I, I hate this version of the song. But like that melody, by it, oh. if it was a totally independent thing, I love that melody. Yeah, maybe I just can't separate the two. Which is fair, and I do not fault you for that. I'm an ally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so then they get pissed off, naturally, because they're like, you stole our fucking song. Which, of course, 
happened to a lot of black artists yeah. of this time, and they even pointed and they, out, like, I'm, I'm glad they Hound brought Dog, up Elvis. <laughs> yeah, Hound Dog is not an Elvis Presley song. It's a Big Mama Thornton song, which they point out in this movie, and that happened a lot. So, uh, and like, and, and part of this movie was bringing uh, bringing light to a lot of these things that happened because this movie is meant to be talking about black history during this period through the lens of Rainbow Records and the dreams. It's not meant to be a story just about the dreams because they're one and the same, you know what I mean? Um, So then we get into the song, Step Into the Bad Side. And this song, especially if you listen to the album version, like in the movie, they don't include the intro, but this song, especially if you include the intro, is my favorite from a musicality standpoint. Yeah. Because this song by itself shows a lot of the like evolution of black music through these decades. Um, so if you're if you listen to the album version, it starts off with um, that sort of like singing dial singing talking dialogue that Curtis and Cece have at the beginning. Um, but then when he uh, there's a line that Curtis says that he's like, um, you have to put your soul on a moral break. Um, you just have to take. And when they say take, it goes into this deep low note that has, it's giving me like hymnal vibes, like, like Wade in the water vibes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Raven, mm -hmm. when you're playing a cello or like an Mm -hmm. upright bass, and then you just have like, you know, like a tied whole note to another whole note and you do your low G Ooh. and you feel it. Ooh. Like an open C. Ooh. Ooh. I love it. And and the way that the music in this song evolves throughout the course of the song. So like you start off uh, with that like slow intro and that goes into the beginning of Step Into the Bad Side where... Um, it's sort of this, I don't know how to describe the music style. I guess like almost jazz swing, but not quite. It's more like blues swing, if anything. Um, it's like blues swing on the verge of not pop, but it's like, it's blues swing that gets to the wall of other genres. Like they're touching it. They're just getting to it. They haven't permeated that boundary. Not, not yet with their music to like, you know, appeal to other audience, white audiences, but it just, I think exactly what you said, this, this song, like the musical style is evolving while it's being played, getting to the point where it can go anywhere but these are artists and they're like no this this change that is our style yes we are not the same we cannot be repeated because we are growing and when they start to break it down and you hear the like the different the different parts and harmonies i uh coming together while they're practicing the choreography and this song is is the exact song meant for that sort of like step tap dancing style yeah and anyway um like yes so step into the bad side uh, that the transition into their stage performance and how yeah from the practice to the stage i'm just like jesus christ 
And the way, the way, again, the the tempo and the style is ever evolving throughout the song, but you never lose that root, that core, that soul. No, because the core of it is change. Yes. And it is like, this is what we're doing, what the fuck we have to do to get ahead. Yeah. Because we're always learning, educating, fighting, working, mm-hmm. striving, yearning. Excelling. In, in, in music. Yes. And That's, artistry in general. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and it is... Fluid. Yes. And to me, this song... And we'll, I'll, I'll talk about the other song when we get there. But um, this song and Patience uh, together, oh. to me, are like... Raven. If you have never been to a black gospel service or like a black gospel choir performance, the combination of Step Into the Bad Side and Patience is like the experience because it's those it's those types of performances that you get. And it's just hearing this song just moves something in me. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah, but also yeah. So you see uh, that uh, you see Jimmy at the Dream at uh, they're at like performing it at the Apollo Theater. Yeah, and the I am so happy for the Dreamettes at this point yes. with the dresses and uh, the wigs, the choreography, the choreography. Ooh. They're like because there there the is tambourines. just like pure raw ta- oh those tambourines uh, pure raw talent but when it's backed by like more resources mm. chef's kiss amazing chef's kiss. And, and one of the things i love about the scene is that we see here that um they are now financing um their they they realize like it's not enough to just get on radio stations like we need to get to like the big name DJs who are like really gonna put our music out there as us and not give anyone the opportunity to take it or discredit us for it, um, and so they're like that's gonna take like real money and so now we see them pushing the Cadillac cars we see them um, gambling to get more money we see them um, working with like mobs and stuff like that to get more money like yeah. doing whatever they need to do to get ahead and like I I think. Uh, maybe what some people realize, but like this one, high key how Motown worked at a certain point in its evolution, um, and yeah. also why so many rappers and artists, like musical artists from this time, honestly, to and sort of through like the early, the, like the 90s, um, had a lot of like gang ties and stuff like that, was because like for a lot of musical artists, like that was the only way you could finance your yeah. ascension but, and like in your your career because like that's no how you one can else... share with the audience that's how you got on the radio yeah that's like there, there was no you way got you fucking like studio time that you were overcharged for yeah compared to you know white performers yeah and it was it was the only way you could get your music out the way you wanted it and not have someone take it from you basically because if you try to go through and bastardize it and yeah um yeah and so, and so I, I do love how they how they really showed that and showed that like Yes, there is all this amazing talent and artistry, but there is a dirty dark side to it as well. Um, yeah. And that and directly, something, and both of those had an influence on the community. Yeah, and something worth noting: the version of the film we watched was just the you know regular version. There's mm-hmm. a director's cut that has two additional songs. We'll talk about one of them later. Um, yeah. And like, it's I think it's like ten more minutes, and they definitely go way more into. Um, working with these different like mobs and like quote yeah. unquote like underhanded ways to get money and things like that. 
Yeah. Because I, I do think in this movie, like, because of the nature of the story that they're telling and the fact that it, it's still just a musical, you know what I mean? You only have so much time. Um, uh, it, it does feel like they, they mostly paint Curtis as, like, quote-unquote the bad guy. Because, like, Barry Gordy was, like, the the head of, like, all of this and, like, no. the director, basically. Um, but, like, this was a, a full... Like it was, it was way more operation. Than just, yeah, this is a full operation. It was way more than just what they showed. I think they just kind of like tried to get the. You see the effects of it as the movie goes on, but yeah. they can't show like it how we time. talked about in the Shrek episode. Multiple people okayed certain stuff. <laughs> you can't just blame it on the like director. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, yes. Uh, oh, and then after this, after the scene. We then hear um, Martin Luther King's famous speech, like excerpts from Martin Luther King's famous speech from the March on Washington, the I Have a Dream speech. Um, so that that does help for anyone who hasn't already figured it out by now. That does help like place the story then in like the early mm-hmm. 60s. Um, Why is Effie so fucking funny? <laughs> I love that song. Because they like, have the, the speech like on an amateur? album <laughs> and just like goes up and Jimmy's with his sisters mm-hmm. and is saying basically oh what the fuck what about me who the fuck is this martin luther king guy king why does guy. he yeah he's like why, why does, does he, he get his album? music instead of me and like jimmy is just does he like, even what the sing fuck? does he even sing and they're just like appalled and then she's just like ah <laughs> i got <gotcha>. got it <laughs> so fucking got so him. funny and then oh, you see you know definitely at that point because uh in the blue blue uh, the jazz club before um you do see effie like definitely take more of an interest and uh, i said jimmy curtis curtis um, yeah. curtis and his sisters and curtis mentions like oh i was raised by women my sisters and stuff and they effie is just like oh you should sit way. down and uh sit down and talk to me about that and then you see definitely they're closer now you know yeah relate starting a relationship things like this and like these scenes and something that I think is also C. really interesting, and one of the things that I love that they did with this story, um, when they I, they didn't have to, but they did incorporate elements of it, um, was showing the way concepts like colorism and um, mm. like body shaming and fat phobia mm-hmm. and stuff like that um, do affect not only how the dream's career um, progresses, but specifically the interactions between. Uh, Dina, Effie, and Curtis. Um, And there's more on that later on, like after they do the Miami Beach performance. Um, But there are are some specific details I really want to call out there to, for anyone who's not familiar with like issues like colorism, especially within the black community. Um, But yeah, so uh, we we didn't get into the song Love You, I Do, which I was full (sighs) feet of, I I wrote down one note and I was fully in the fetal position while listening to this. I I just wrote down, stop. Jennifer Hudson. How, like, I saw one TikTok where it was like someone was singing and someone was reacting to it. Mm -hmm. And like, they're like face the whole time. They were like grimacing and they're like, oh, you didn't like that? And they're like. I loved it. What are you talking about? I was like, it's like, oh, your face. I was like, Yeah. Like, you, you just, like... <laughs> That's how you listen to good music. <laughs> feel that, like, stank. And you just, like... Ugh, like, if you're not, like, offended <laughs> by musicians when you listen to their music, it's not good. It's just... It's not, no. How... It's not enough. How, how very dare you? 
Like, if it's... I'm not saying fuck you in the back of my mind, but also out loud, you didn't do it. While you're like, it's, while I'm like crying. <laughs> like, it's like, and this is one of and those And also songs. involuntarily dancing, <laughs> but also in the fetal position, correct. Crying at the club right now has a whole new meaning. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love this song so much. Um, yeah, that's literally the only note I wrote for that song. Stop. But we also do see Curtis making eyes at Dina during Ugh. this song. And Dina notices him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get into that they need more help at the dealership. And there's a lot of people that like want to be a part of what they're doing because they're yeah. incredible. And Curtis... Asked that they need like a, a secretary assistant. Can anyone type? And this one woman raised her hand. I can type, and she is Michelle Morris, Sharon the character's name. Leal. Sharon Leal, based uh, on yeah. Um, what's her name? Uh, Birdsong. Uh, uh, a disgrace. Yeah, Cindy Birdsong. Oh uh, man. Of the Supremes. Um, yeah, you did it. I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Sharon Leal plays uh, Cindy, is, plays Michelle Morris based on Cindy uh, Bird's song. Um, fun fact about Sharon Leal, um, do you know who she studied with? No. Seth Riggs. And listeners, if you're not familiar who that is, that was Michael Jackson's voice coach. Yeah. Um, she has done so that. many like cabaret productions. I think the like most recent, or at least from what I read of her Broadway performances, she was Mimi in Rent. Ooh. Um, but she's also been in like so much like TV and film and stuff. She's been in Guiding Light like a bajillion episodes, <laughs> Boston Public, Hellcats, uh, Supergirl. She's super mm-hmm. good, and that's a good show. Supergirl. They've been doing really good with the DC comics and their TV shows. Like yeah, DC Arrow. does fantastic TV shows. They just they're bad at movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So now we see uh, Curtis is trying to book Jimmy in like bigger time venues and clubs. So things like Miami Beach. Um. He wants to do like the Apollo, like all that stuff. No, no they um, already the, did the, the Apollo. The, oh, they already did the Apollo. He wants to do the Copa. That's what he yeah. wants to do. Um, Copa, Copa. And so, and these are venues that pre- predominantly, not predominantly, but almost exclusively, um, service white crowds. So, um, and we actually see during the scene when they're leading up to Miami Beach or uh, leading up to their actual performance, um, we see that the comedian um, is Jewish. Uh, and at one point he makes like a joke about like this Cuban guy in the audience. Um, and we see that a lot of the um, service workers, like the, the servers and, and, um, and catering staff and everything um, are mostly black people. Um, which is a lot of the roles and, and jobs in society that black people occupied at this time. Um, and one of the lines that I did not care for that the comedian made as a joke was uh, he was talking about how like, oh yeah, they're uh, like, they booked black performers for this evening. And he was like, uh, that's great. They can sing, they can dance, they can even mop up afterwards. And I I'll don't. Say, and you can quote me on this, Raven. I don't like it. it's it's interesting because i think that's like that i feel like a lot of people think it's like a stereotypical like racist trope or whatever like oh getting confused with the help but like i 
in the 21st century as a Gen Z black person have been confused for the help at an award ceremony where I was being recognized. And was it the one really... I went to? No, it wasn't. You weren't there. Um, it was. I think it was during my senior year. But it was just like... Because your senior year, that, like, that one program you did, I was there. Yeah, I, but that was... That was one for Black History, and I would have been really offended. <laughs> I mean, but like, where we lived, I mean, fair. I like fair. It could have happened. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's really interesting seeing these little, these little bits and these little details included in the movie to really show like this was the culture and not was, but mm, um, this was like the culture that, that these that these characters were living through and like the environment that influenced their decisions and their motivations and all that type of things. Um, and I, I think it really, things like that really give the movie a well-rounded feel um, mm. and really add true context to what was going on at the time. Um, so I just, I love that. And so we get into the song, I Want You Baby. I okay. love this. And I love I love this. It's 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 cool that they are that they, they do talk about they Jimmy and the Dreamettes are the first like black headliners in mm-hmm. Miami ever. Yeah. And you do see like subtly um how like even okay, cool, we made it to this space. We still have to prove ourselves. But while you're still in that space, how we're performing, um, you know, just how, you know, uh, black performance will have to cater to white audiences. Mm-hmm. And you see that, especially, uh, I think, in their hair and wigs. Yes. So their wigs are uh, straightened, long, yep. and like a honey blonde color. Yep. Uh, clearly, clearly meant to uh, appeal more to a white audience. Mm-hmm. To so they, ease they've always white fragility. Yeah. So they've they've always worn wigs when they perform, but their wigs were more of like the press and curl variety, no. which is still very much a, a black a, a popular black hairstyle. Um, whereas this was intentionally intended to be um, more white leaning. And same thing with Jimmy's hair. Jimmy's hair is also straightened and like slicked back and like all that type of stuff. Um, and I just love how. Jimmy goes crazy during the song, and I love like, the breakdown Ooh, of it. Uncomfortable white woman. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to. I want to fuck you. Yeah. Through song. And the thing, the thing <laughs> that I think is interesting, and specifically the way this scene evolves, is that Jimmy here is like he is fulfilling this own this uh, a whole like black stereotype of like the over sexualized black male like the the yeah. buck basically the buck stereotype of black men yeah. um, that existed still to this day in media but especially at this time um and that's like over over sexualized hypersexualized black male who just wants to like rape all the way all the white women basically um and i think it's interesting how those fears and stereotypes played into the way he's expected to perform and how the second i mean granted he does he is an an overly sexual person and has for sure sexually harassed people before. Um, yeah. But still like with his yeah. music and be like, you're telling me I need a new sound. This is a new sound. This is a new sound. This is a new sound. And he's like genuinely, and it's not a bad himself. performance. He's, it's yeah, not he's, bad performance and he's expressing himself and just, it's just you know, a loud people, performance. <laughs> it's a loud performance. And the people like, I mean, we later see that Curtis 
who's like, music's not about expressing yourself. It's about making money. So he's just not going to get it. But yeah, so that uh, white woman um, leaves. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and from this point, because they're also meeting with the... Um, the guy that's in charge of... Like a producer of, or something. Like a, like a talent director for the club or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And we see that from that interaction, Curtis sees, like, like in the film, looking at that, looking at the audience, looking at the dismay from people, but then, like, realigning and focusing his vision on the Dreamettes. Yes. Showing us moving right along. Yes, and the thing I find I think is interesting. Um, so there's there's three there's three actions that happen right here. So we see yeah. the white couple walks out. Um, we see that one of the black waiters is like smirking and like laughing yeah. while like Jimmy is performing, and we also see like these two white guys from the crowd are like eyeing Dina, yeah. and all of these things are important because one like the white couple walking out and the black waiter like that's very. Showing that current like music will, like, we will not be able to reach this, these people. Exactly. Like, y'all are trying to break out and, and get and get this white crowd on board. And, like, and like Marty said earlier, he's like, it's not going to happen. Like, I've been in this business long enough to know that, mm-hmm. like, we just don't reach those crowds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the, two, black, the two... I was going to say, that, and then, like, the black waiter is showing, like, the substance is still there. Like, he's smirking, he knows what's going on, but he's still with it about it. He cannot, I mean, he can't, like, enjoy the performance because he is working. Yeah. But there is still something there. It's just acknowledgement from the community still, despite all this, that it's good. The bones are there. Yeah. And then, as you're saying, with and the it's two like, white uh, gentlemen. Oh, you tried to like you tried to hold yourself back for these white folk, and now like, now you've gone crazy and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we see uh, these these two guys from the crowd are kind of like eyeing Dina and all this stuff, and like that's when I think Curtis gets the idea to like, kind of like put her at the forefront. And I think a big part of that is one colorism because yeah, Beyonce, uh, Beyonce is is fairer skinned, um, but especially like the way she like the lighting and the way she's portrayed in this movie in particular she is um she's she's pretty pretty light-skinned in this movie um and um and she also has like more european features like a narrower nose and stuff like that um and while she is curvy she does have still a very slender figure um which was very appealing to especially white audiences at this time um which was what all artists of color were trying to do was appeal to white artists. Um, so Curtis basically gets the idea of like, uh, uh, Effie's a little too much woman <laughs> for, for these crowds. Whole lot of woman. Um, but Dina by Kelly Clarkson is, is just nothing enough because of course, Beyonce has <laughs> yes, nothing girl, to offer. Give nothing me to nothing. To the table. <laughs> yeah, which is what has been said about Beyonce a lot. Of, of um, course. Um, Everyone thought she had no potential and ridiculous, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I can't. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, when, when they like would say things like that about Dina, it like did truly bring me out of the musical. I was just like, <laughs> okay, like I get it, I get the story we're telling um, in so many different ways, broken. but like, you, there's there's no amount of acting and storytelling. That will make me see 
not still like physically hear Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> because like, you know, Beyonce is, you know, a great singer and she does sings very well in this movie. There have been times Beyonce is definitely more expressive and soulful, especially mm-hmm. within the movie itself. So yeah. even like toned down Beyonce is still Beyonce. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just the cards you dealt. <laughs> um, really fortunate, great cards that she's worked years honing into better cards. It's yeah, fucking Beyonce. <laughs> and we also find out from like the scenes, like the clips that it cuts to during the scene that Laurel and Jimmy have now slept together. Presumably, uh, uh, Jimmy took Laurel's virginity because uh, she just turned 18. She's a woman. I am a woman. Which our next scene where we see Dina and Laurel getting ready in their dressing room. And she's like, I am a woman now. I'm 18. I done fucked a man. <laughs> she never says fucked a man, but Dina was like, I know you're fucking. <laughs> like, Who told you? Did Jimmy tell you? No, he you didn't have to. It's you like, won't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Um, and then so Effie walks in and talks about how she's been fucking Curtis, and it's just all sex. And Dina's like, and Dina's is, there, like is, is that the... all you can talk? All you can think about? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, it's like, you know yeah, sex is great. Good ass sex is good as hell. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so then Curtis comes in and says, like, oh, I'm breaking you guys and Jimmy up because I'm sending Jimmy out on tour, basically doing his own thing, and you guys are going to stay here and open your own act as the dreams. Like, you were no longer dream ads, you were no longer You're no girls, longer girls, you're women. women. Yeah, because you're fucking. Um, and, <laughs> he knows. Um, and, he, and he does say, like, Dina, Dina's going to be singing lead now. Like, we're going to be reaching broad audiences, we're going to be on television. Like, we need the look to break into the pop charts, and Dina yeah. has the look, you know? And Dina is like... I don't want this. And yeah, like I can't sing. Laurel is just like, like, so they're trying to like talk to Effie. Is like, hey, maybe, like it's not forever. Let's just like give it a shot. Yeah, and like you'll, and be, you'll be singing back up with me. It'll be fun. Like blah blah blah. Like let's let Dina do all the work for a while. Yeah, and then fucking Curtis is like, oh, it's not personal. Kisses her. Yeah, and, and she's like, don't talk to me. She's like, don't talk. And she was just like, do you think I'm ugly? And he does not actually answer her question no nope hashtag red flag um and then uh, cc comes in with the save and we get into the song family what a good brother what a great brother um and also just yes keith robinson his voice the song the movement i love it and when they hit that what about what i need about what i feel what about me what about what i need and then it's like, it's more than you right now because it's us. Yeah. Whatever, whatever dreams we have, they're for the family. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I love the line, um, you're not alone anymore. There are others there. Um, and this dream that we have is big enough for all of us to share. But that means yep. we, we have to share it. This song makes know? me feel so full. Yes. I just love. And just like. <sighs> and the way like I just, the second I hear that chorus, like I just immediately start to sway, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then when they hit that, we are growing free, and that harmony, it just oh, it hits your soul. Oh, I love it. Empty Next drink. Burp. Well, it's halftime, sports fans. Um, 
I don't, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, it's Campbell from Boost Coles. Uh, I'd like to tell you all about Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation. This foundation keeps music alive in schools by providing vital support services to school districts and new musical instruments to underfunded music programs nationwide, giving underrepresented youth access to the many benefits of music education, leading them to success in school, and inspiring creativity and expression through playing music. There have been over 34,000 donated instruments and over 2 million students impacted by this organization. Some of the support services they offer are professional development for music teachers led by certified uh, instrument repair technicians and further community engagement and instrument drives, just to name a few. Again, Raven and I believe the best way to support us as a podcast is to support organizations like Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation that supports music education and the passion of music in our youth. You can donate at mhopus.org slash donate. Again, that's mhopus.org slash donate. Uh, back to our nonsense. Cheers. Uh, give us a toast, Raven. Can you see? Oh, you can see the glitter a little bit. <gasps> oh, that's so cool. I'm Beautiful. so happy with that. Um, oh, a toast to... Great start. Amazing music and wonderful friends. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Fun fact. So now they're a family. We see their first performance as kind of a solo, a professional solo act. Yes. We get to the song Dream Girls. It's the Dream's debut. debut. Oh my God. (laughs) I love this song. We see Dina as the lead. Oh, their dresses, their hair. I was in awe. The the silver, the sparkle, the sequins. And you see that May. The, gl- the satin gloves. Dina, do you, why don't you have satin gloves? I actually used to have satin gloves exactly like those. Um, but it was for a fashion show that I did in like middle school. So they don't fit me anymore. But I'm thinking about getting new ones. I haven't owned satin gloves since I think you should do. Like Especially grade. like a like a. Although deep... I think the fact that I owned satin like elbow gloves in like seventh grade um, says a lot about the childhood that I have. And and. Directly foreshadows the fact I that think, I was a debutante. <laughs> I think if you got those gloves, <clears throat> but uh, for a, like, the deepest, deepest, deepest red that you can find. Ooh. Like, almost black. That's how red it is. They look beautiful. Oh, and, and so, like, and Dina's mom is there and says yes. to Curtis... I didn't think she had much of a voice. <laughs> what a world we live in. <laughs> and the interesting thing about the way Curtis responds about oh, her yeah. is Curtis talks about her like a product. And her mom even comments on like, oh, they talk about her like she's a product. And he's like, and ha, he ha, says, ha, product. I like that. And then at that point, you know for a fact that May, Dina's mother, will never approve of Curtis. Yes. You see it on her face. And later on in the movie. Yeah. She was like, yeah. gotcha. I know Filed away. Yeah. Only, only that a mother can. Yeah. Size up a man. And and I think it's very interesting because 
again, this sort of foreshadowing in terms of like character development, story arc, um, about Curtis literally seeing Dina as a product to be marketed and packaged and sold. And like, even this image of what the dreams are, like Dina, not Beyonce, but Dina is not the best singer in the group. She's the lead singer because of how she looks yeah. and the audiences he can market her to. Not because even the he people... actually thinks she's the most talented. Yeah, and like, like her mom's like, oh, I didn't think she had a voice like that. But now she recognizes, oh, she does have a voice like that. Curtis still doesn't care about that. He is doesn't never thinking about her voice. Nope. In his mind, he gave her her voice, which I... Yeah. We'll talk about a lot of the gaslighting that happens in this movie as we get more into their relationship later in the movie, uh, later in the story. Um, so yeah, so after this debut, we see Fun headlines montage. everywhere. Yeah, we see the dreams, like they're making it big. Hollywood Bowl. Um, we see their hairstyles, that, that sort of like bob with like the flipped out ends, that was like a signature like Supremes like look. Yeah. Um, so it's like a kind of direct reference. Um, and then we see that Jimmy is still still sort of small time, and now he's like turning to drugs because of his own of his frustrations with his own career, and like still yeah. wanting to get ahead and wanting to. He's be still that talking artist. about. He's like, you know, who the first person wears shining clothes was, and they're like, oh, it was like this person, and he was like, no, it was me. I started all this. Yeah. And. It's it's tough to see. And that, that is a hard reality to live because for a lot of people, especially especially during this time, but for a lot of people, like that was the reality of like creating something and then just having it taken from you. And maybe yeah. something like, oh, wearing sparkly clothes is a very small example, but like, I'm sure that's, for him, that's just one more in a long list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you see them go literally all around the world. Yeah. Like, they're touring everywhere. And then Um, we start, then they're, like, they get back to Detroit. They're recording. But we also see um, Sign of the Times, what's going on. And we see the Detroit riots going mm -hmm. on. Which, were these the ones because of Larry King? I think so. I think these were the... I think so, but I get them. them... Were these the 67 or 68? I honestly, there were so many riots happening at this time and so yeah. many like rightfully so rampages because... on black cities and like suburbs and stuff like that by like yeah. groups like the KKK, among others, um, yeah. that like, honestly, I've lost track, which is why I think they didn't call it a specific one. Yeah. But for sure, there were riots in this time incited I think, I by think the Larry this was, King video. I, yeah, I think that's what these were. Yeah. I was trying to like place it when I was watching it and. Yeah. I honestly not sure. I'm like seventy percent confident that it was the Larry King ones. Yeah, um, especially given that these are the ones where like we're seeing like the fires and the looting, as opposed to, like the water hoses and the dogs. Yes, because that's also another fam- another famous like Im- video clip and image. Um, but yeah, so uh, we do see also that during this entire like uh, scene segue story point, um, that Curtis is giving a lot of preference to Dina over Effie in terms Which, of like, like, I get it. It's no, like, wait, I get no, it, but the way I don't he goes it. about it. And he's just like, oh, there's the three together. Okay. Let's bring one over. Oh, you're amazing. You're the only one we care about. They could be multiple times. It could have been. Yeah. And they're great too. Like, yeah. And, and, and I feel like, um, in their, 
Because in their group, I mean, like, they're all talented singers. And it's like, even if you have a quote-unquote lead, because I think you could argue with Destiny, not even argue, I think in Destiny's Child, you could argue that Beyonce was still, like, the quote-unquote lead. But, like, Kelly and Michelle still very much had their own. I saw this one like, clip. I think they were, like, on, like, at some event. And they're, like, sing something for us. And they're, like, okay, let's just, like, harmonize something. And Beyonce starts. Michelle comes in. And then Kelly comes in. And it feels like ten other people have come in to fill out the uh, sound. When three people can sound like a whole choir. Mm. And like it's mm. like it sounds like a whole choir when the third person joins. Oh, uh, um, fun fact, uh, me and my mom would love to watch The Voice together. And uh, Jennifer Hudson, when she was well, the uh, first time she was a judge for the American Why version, would she just throw her shoe at people? <laughs> Because she knows what the fuck she's doing. I love it. But they bring in, like, you know, like, assistant coaches or whatever to help, like, with their, like, groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Hudson brought in Kelly Rowland. Uh-huh. And they're, Kelly Rowland like, is amazing. She's they amazing. would, like, the people would, like, practicing songs and then giving advice and stuff. And then sometimes be like, no, like, this harmony, like, it would be more like this. And then the two of them would sing together. Mm. <laughs> and then me and my Gives mom would life. lose our minds. Um uh. I wish I could harmonize. I'm not... I mean, it's something that you can train, you know, for, but, like, no. ugh. Yeah, I wish I could sing. I wish I could harmonize. Um, but, yeah, and so we get into the song Heavy, which is just a rude-ass song. Literally, rude the song is heavy, song. heavy. You've got so heavy on me. Heavy, uh, uh, what is it? Um, we used to be so wild and free. You used to smile just looking at me. Uh, you got so heavy, baby. You got so heavy. Uh, you need to, baby. You need to lose some weight. Basically, I forget the exact progression. Yeah, and then like they're singing, and Curtis is like, "Effie, what the fuck? You need You're to be quieter. You're too loud. You're not the lead. Take thirty. It sounds good. Shut the fuck up. Oh my gosh. And also, like, she has a separate mic. You can just raise her up, like, just. Oh, exactly. Like, it's like they, yeah, like, like it's such a weird power play. It's so stupid. He's like, no, I control the sound because this is my business. Is what he's doing, and then uh, she like gets louder, gets upset, leaves, and it's just like I know that y'all are fucking talking to. Dina and Curtis. Because even when Curtis comes in the room and he's all like sweet and like baby talking Dina and then basically just looks at Effie and Laurel is just like, let's get it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like, bitch. Oh. Yeah. And then which like no one says anything about. Um, and Effie's like, you stole my dream and my man. Yeah. And Effie's talking and about And I just like, she's hate not... how this man has pitted these two women against each other women who were incredibly close and like best friends like sisters yeah. you know um and we uh, effie talks about how like she's not feeling well and like as part of the scene we do see her like go to a clinic um and when she comes back she's late to rehearsal um and cc we see that um dina and laurel are rehearsing they're in their hair and makeup and costume already um and eddie not eddie Curtis, Curtis is uh, saying to, like, the the club manager or whatever, like, oh, yeah, like, they're expecting three girls. We're going to have three girls, like, all this other stuff. Effie comes in. Cece tells her, like, oh, don't bother coming this evening. Like, we're fine without you, all this other stuff. And oh, and, like, right Michelle, before Effie comes in, Dina's like, I don't feel right about this. Yeah. 
And, and I think that's interesting that like we see so like Dina and Lorel this entire time kind of like are going along with the things that Curtis is saying again like saying like this is what we need to do to get where we want to be okay we can suck it up we can do the job you know what I mean um, yeah. but we do see like Dina especially has her own opinion she's not allowed to voice them basically or even when she does voice them Curtis just doesn't listen to them so it's oh. very much it's not that she and doesn't a song have about a voice it. <laughs> it's that yeah it's not that she doesn't have a voice it's that he's actively ignoring it and that is yeah. important for later on yeah. um and yeah. they're like rehearsing just Laurel and Dina they're re- rehearsing you know family we yeah. are a family. Like, that's the song they're singing, just the two of them, when Effie comes in. Yes. And it's at this point that this song will never be what it was before. It will never be. Especially and it's so when it's performed again later. It's so upsetting. much more hollow. It's hollow. It's hollow. Raven. Ugh. Alexandria Smith. <laughs> Fuck it up. <laughs> Fuck it up. Fuck it up. Fuck it up. Uh-huh. It's... And it's just so unsatisfying when we like this. The music is still good, especially when like when Michelle is singing with them, especially that song. But it's also it's good, but unsatisfying. Yeah, like the melody is there, and you're like, oh yeah, this is the same song, but it's but the heart's it's not, not. The soul's the not. Same. The soul is not there. The heart is not there. Um, and then we see Michelle come up, and Effie has been replaced. Mm-hmm. And we get into It's All Over. And here's my problem with this song. We later find out that her doctor's visit, things going on, maybe some of the insecurities that she's projecting, Effie is pregnant. Yes. Why is <laughs> the Dina and Laurel oh. saying, you have always been a problem? Yeah. That they're, really like, they're like, this is not new because this is how you've always been. And that really bothered me because even at the beginning, like when, so when they first were signing with Curtis and Jimmy early, like agreeing to be the backup singers and Effie said from the beginning, like, I don't want to do that. Like being backup is not what I do. It's not what we do. Like we are talented enough to be out on the forefront by ourselves. Um, And she, and she made that, like that compromise, that sacrifice, like be backup so that they, so that one Dina and Laura compromised and forgotten. Yeah, and, and, and they're so, like, "Why and, are you mad?" And and so like, and I can see it from like Effie's perspective of like she's been compromising this entire time. She's been selling herself short and selling her dreams short this entire time, and now you're telling her that on top of that, she's also not lead, even though she's the best singer in the group, and she's now being replaced because you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's like you can and... see you can see all the characters. I feel like sides of it. And well, some of them. They're like, we've been warning you for months, and she's like, you're lying, you're lying, it's not it. And then Curse like, you've gotten fatter. Also, okay, I will say the line where she's like, I've never been so thin, and I'm like, okay, but Effie, like, you're you're pregnant. Like that's that's biologically untrue because you're pregnant. <laughs> like, but you don't want to give them the satisfaction to. Yeah, dicks. and also she's like, who gives a fuck? She's gorgeous. Uh, I was like, yeah, but can you hear me? And then Dina, Dina then, uh, because when Effie, like, has this kind of, like, confrontation with everyone, she then is, like, like yelling at, like, Dina Mm -hmm. and, like, everyone else. And Dina does, for the first time, she's like, no, 
I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to stand up for myself and what I Which, feel. like, do we wish she does to Curtis at this point and not Effie? Yes. Does that yes. happen? No. Are we Are we happy that she's doing it at all, though? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... um yeah, and, and then at the end of it's all over, like they all walk away and it's just crazy. Yeah, they, they say she's been trouble from the start. Yeah. You wouldn't be here. Because you wouldn't I, be here. What's this family talk then? Whose and brother who, writes your song? Who is who is singing and move? Who is doing all that? Who is who is carry quote unquote carrying the group with her voice? And Curtis is like, I'll buy you out. Um and mm. her brother says, Take the money and run. I'm just like Damn, CC. Which is, like, it gets into a song later that's not in this version, but I, Raven, I hope you watch it, because I want to talk about I did, that song. Yes. I, I, I'd also heard it before, it just wasn't in the version yeah. I was watching. Um, just as, like, a reminder. Um, and, come on. Yeah. Your family. And that, you that, can't that do that. Really, that really irritated me, because it's uh, just, like... You're not even just saying, like, oh, take the money, and, like, we'll figure something out, or, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're saying, like... Take the money and leave. Like we don't. And wanna... it's not like Effie being this type of way is that their careers are in peril. Yeah. They're at the top of the world. Yes. With this. They are on the precipice of like the height of their fame right now. And Effie. So even if here she has not... been trouble, obviously that hasn't been. But they've an been issue successful in, in holding you back. You know. Yeah. And then Michelle's well, like, well, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I know, this is not my, uh, I, I don't have a part in this. Um, Seven years, it's all over. Yeah. And then. And so we get into the song, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. Originally performed by the Miss Jennifer Holiday, And here, the mantle is taken up. By Jennifer Hudson, who fucking kills it, and I have no notes. I I have and a few. I, have none. <laughs> I, I I have like four notes. One. Okay. Uh, I was like, no way I'm leaving without you. Incredible. I don't like seeing Jennifer Hudson pleading, even if she's acting. Oh yeah, you're better than this, J Hud. Fuck you, dude. But that breath. Before that last note, it wasn't mm. just like, "Oh, I'm gonna support my voice." It's not a it breath. Was a she gasp. gasped. Yeah. And mm. it shattered me. This is probably like the and, fourth time I've seen this. And James Corden's, uh, uh, what's the word? What's Carpool it called? Karaoke. Carpool karaoke. When he has Jennifer Hudson on and she sings this song, and just like the depth of emotion that she gets to, even just singing this in the car. <laughs> It's like, you feel it. Like, ugh. It, and it's so funny because... that's because... I, we've talked about it in our... I think, actually, that episode make. I'm going to have to look at our calendar. Because I don't know when that episode will come out in comparison to, like, our Les Mis one. But how, you know, acting and singing and performing can combine to enhance what's yes. already going on. Yes, absolutely. That breath before her last note, before like the me, um, before a me, um, <laughs> is like I can't think of a better example of personifying sound. 
Yeah. It, it, it like, broke me. <laughs> and I just... The way, like... Jennifer Hudson's... And there are other, there are other vocal artists that are also amazing at runs like this, but Jennifer Hudson's vocal runs... My diaphragm I, could never. <laughs> I have no words. I, I'm speechless every time. Like, um, it's it's beautiful. And I'm just like... like the, how... Uh, the, like, just the, like, physical control. I truly, I truly want to know and the what most, it feels like. Like, if, you know when you have... What am I trying to say? You know when you have, like, something that, like, plays music. And you, yeah. like, dampen it by its, like, orientation configuration. Mm-hmm. It is not optimized for a sound to come out. Like a grand piano with the lid shut. Yes. yes. But also folded in half. Yes. Is what Jennifer Hudson does. Mm-hmm. She is... Literally, the opposite body position to project. And she blows it away. The skill, the power, the control that you need to have over your body and soul to do that should be illegal. The expansiveness of her voice it like it fills your world when you're listening to her like with memory with with this song like it just when you are listening to Jennifer Hudson sing like this like all other sound goes It's away. like when you go to an IMAX movie for the first Ooh, time Yes oh literally I was literally thinking surround sound like THX. But it's coming from a tr- like the orientation it's like it's a coming from like a, a trunk of a car <laughs> Oh with that gosh. IMAX experience. That is what Effie White is fucking doing. I just, I here. have no words. I have no notes. No. So, now we see Dina Jones and the Dreams. No. Love, love me baby. Love, love me child. Um, they still have talent. <laughs> baby love. They, they are now a manicured image with a manufactured sound. Um... Which, like, it's annoying because it's still really good. It's still really good. It's just, it's different in a way that... We have the context of, like, a lot of the soul was taking out of it. That the manufactured sound is the perfect way to describe it with the context as the audience has. Yeah, and that's what, in a lot of cases, the pop genre that's what makes the pop genre difficult to navigate as especially as an independent artist like trying to be and make your own sound is that like there yes there is your own sound and what makes you unique and what makes you talented but by definition the pop genre is like whatever is popular and whatever markets well and plays well with the community and the customer base as a whole um and to an extent yeah there is that sort of con that concept of like that manicured image of the group that needs to be maintained um and so we see that they they move on it uh i believe that's the end of act six one. years that's the end of act one yes um um i don't know if it's six or eight years, years because uh how oh, old yeah. is magic 
No, no, it, uh, so she, it's eight years because in the bio, the biopic, the documentary or whatever, they say like, oh, they've been, they've been stars basically for the last six years since their debut in Las Vegas, which I think was not what we saw. But Magic is nine. Magic is turning nine. She's about turning to be nine. nine. But when, she's also when... just found out she was pregnant. Oh, so maybe it was closer to 10 years. Like nine I was and thinking half. it was, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Somewhere eight to eight to ten years in the future. <laughs> like, that doesn't matter. This truly does not matter. And we're like, wait it's, a second. It's the there's early numbers 70s. involved. That's all that matters. <laughs> Engineers. Um, oh. So uh, we see that Dina is Jesus slated Christ. to play Cleopatra in an upcoming um, film, and she does not want to. And uh, she because... is Mrs. Curtis Taylor Jr. that we see <laughs> so in. So gross. I'm Somebody, the song that's playing, is like a documentary type. And the irony is that Dina has had a lot of her personhood taken away from her. She's yeah. now an image, an icon, a, a product, you know, as she's always been to Curtis. Um, but now she's she's literally just Curtis's wife who is the lead singer of, you know what I mean? Like You see, Curtis has grown his operation to include, like, a lot more, like, you know, different, like, music groups and stuff. That's where we see, like, the Campbell Connection, lol. Yeah. Uh, the Jackson 5, um, with uh, Teddy being, Teddy Campbell being Michael Jackson, played by Jordan Wright, uh, who's been... Uh, who's like a poet, a rapper, a performer. He's been in episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, he was, I remember him in like a Drake and Josh episode, which is fun. Mm-hmm. But um, you see that it's where she's sitting, where she's at is like in their mansion. Yeah. Like. Wild. They have a full they film have room. taken off. Yes. Like they are stars now. And. Dina says, I can't be Cleopatra. I don't see myself as her. And, and she, she's Curtis, like, she's a 16-year-old girl. And Curtis responds. Oh, baby. You'll always be 16 to me. Oh! Oof. Gasp. <laughs> or not gasp. Uh, uh, audible gag. No. Disgusting. Um, Raven, we met also, when you were 16. Correct. And also, I would never say you'll always be 16 to me. Um, because, and, and she says, and that's part of the problem, because the whole point of life is that you grow and you age and you learn and you experience and you become the person that you and are. It's and so he doesn't annoying. see her as a person. And, but like, then Curtis is like, Curtis is talking about how representation matters. Like, it's really important for, like, this kind of, like, for, like, a for movie. Young girls, to see young black girls. For young girls. sees, so he's, like, guilting her with something that it seems like he doesn't genuinely believe in. But this yeah. is what I will tell you so you would do it. And the thing that's, the thing that's so ironic about it is... Um, it's like rain. That... On your wedding day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> shut up. Um... It's the thing that's the thing that's so ironic about it is that he's talking about how like oh you should do this role so that young black girls can can grow up and say like oh I can play whatever role I want to and it's like but the whole point is that, is that she's she not can. allowed to play the role she wants to play. Um, also, I think it's incredibly telling and again just like the scenery and the imagery and like the little details in this movie tell an incredibly intricate story. Yeah. And in this scene, you see that the walls 
are covered in photos of Dina, but they are stylized manicured photos. They are photos from like photo shoots, like of her modeling and stuff like that. Um, and some and of the she photos. Is, she is beautiful and she is angelic, but in none of them is she happy. No. And none of them is she actually smiling. Is she candid? Is she showing her family? Because she doesn't have a family. She wants a child yeah. and we do see that. Um, but it's just Curtis showing her off to the world. And some, some of the photos are not great. They're not, and I don't love them for her. Beyonce yeah. is way more beautiful. And I think that's part of the point, is that, like, she's not meant to be... It's not... These photos aren't meant to showcase Beyonce and Dina's actual natural beauty. It it's is meant like, to turn her into a Barbie, basically. Yep, 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 yeah. yep. And we see that in When I First Saw You, and yeah. Curtis is saying... Uh, you were my dream. You were my dream. I needed a dream and you came along, so you're mine. And my dream is the only one that matters in this coupling. And then that's what we hear is like, I want to have your child. Hard turn. Yep. We see Magic, who is Effie's child. Mm-hmm. And we see that Effie is at the unemployment office. Played by uh, Mariah Iman Wilson. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's a very good actor. Yeah, she is. Oh, there is, uh, I kept her thing up. Um, so she's been in like different like TV shows, like the 2020 Saved by the Bell series, Drunk History. Um, she moved to California in 2003 and she's like been in a bunch, she's been Drake and Josh, George Lopez, or Summerland, Still Standing, Medical, she has like done so well. And like when she was in school in Arizona, um, she was in so many plays. She was like the lead in all the plays she did. Um, she was in Grease, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Joseph Technicolor, Dream Code, Butterflies Day, Cinderella, The Grinch, Annie, Wizard of Oz, Barbie Beach Party, Ugly Duckling. Uh, several on-air performances are like in Arizona, like local media. Um, and like, you know, was heavily featured in like the print media. She was and is the shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see what more she does in her Oh, future. yeah. Yeah. Especially because she wasn't in a lot of this movie. But the part she was in, like, you you definitely saw, like... Um, you see her pride emotion, in her mother, and it brings uh, me to I tears. I love that so much. When she just, like... Oh, the way Effie changes in her eyes, like, fundamentally. Yeah. When you see, you see a young child hold their parent in such self like high esteem, esteem? just from uh, the look of their face it's will a make sight me to cry see. it's a beautiful sight to see um love to see it and we get into the song patience and this is a song that cc wrote uh, that's being performed by him uh michelle Jimmy. Jimmy and Laurel and it's basically um the song is meant to kind of go out to the community because again yeah. this is um you know following like this is in the mid or early to mid 70s um so this is like Vietnam War is going on like the entire nation is really upset Post about a lot of MLK assassination assassination JFK assassination um the entire nation is kind of rocked right now and like really upset about a lot of things that are going on and so um especially the black community like is still trying to fight for civil rights but not making a lot of progress because all the other things that are going on um and, and also just you know racism um and what? 
<laughs> and so the the song is really meant to go out kind of to the community at large, but just saying like, hey, we are still making progress. Like, just keep your head up. Like all that, all that type of like inspirational messaging and like. This song to me is like the other side of the Black Gospel Choir concert, yeah. um, and I, uh, the depth of Anika Nani Rose's voice in the song. She is her voice is smooth as molasses in this. Can song. we also like talk about like her acting? Because oh literally everything she does is completely different from everything else she does, and she has such a long list I of love like it. voice acting as well. There's this current like disney animated show called amphibia mm-hmm. raven you gotta watch it it's on the disney cool. plus um she in this like they're in the, their last season she's just got introduced as this like nerdy like uh archaeologist museum curator character the voice she does for that is unrecognizable that's a nikki nani rose insane she's like, what the fuck <laughs> these like, people I, I cannot express how much I truly just love the way her voice sounds in all forms. She's the creme brulee of singing. Oh I've said gosh. it once, I'll say it again. Crisp and rich. Yeah. So we see that Michelle and Cece are together. And Laurel and Jimmy are still together. Um, you oh, it's also think. interesting in this song, Patience is being overplayed. It's being played over um, like a montage of Effie moving through her life yeah so because and, some of the lyrics are like patience little brother patience sister little sister we'll get through this together and that's just it's kind of like some time. would that be yeah. dramatic or situational irony that the people that were like helped with the outs of her are trying to inspire through their songs people in that situation ignorant of her situation is that situation or dramatic I would, irony i would say closer to dramatic irony because we are aware of something, we Such as the audience are aware irony. of something that, yeah, we as the audience are aware of something that the characters are not that is critical to the understanding of the story. Cool, good. I would think, yeah. Um, I don't know and, yeah, term, so we, but so that's see, what's Effie, happening. Yeah, Effie's going to Marty and she's trying, and like the line, like take each other. Oh, I hand. love that Effie goes to Marty and Marty's oh, yes. like, it's really good to see you again. It's really good to see you, like honestly. Because what Marty was doing, and like before. It was just like, yeah, just a yes man before. Um, he calls Curtis a snake for what he's doing. He's trying to steal people under, you know, other people. Marty really does understand. Maybe he was, like, bogged down with, you know, the experience he has, like, moving yeah. into these spaces. But what he doesn't see music as a business. His opposition it was, I don't want this music to change and speaking to the audiences, honestly, it's not for. Yeah. Like, he, he was like, we're not... And it's villainized. We're not welcome in those spaces, and I don't want to be in those spaces. Like, I yeah, want to it's, it's make villainized in Act 1, but in Act 2, you're like, now that the characters you're rooting for and you're following, you're just like, oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. What a good this guy. This is going down a bad path. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. This is a really cool part for Marty's character, showing that he didn't change his character, but the audience understands it now. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and so we, we get to um, 
they're showing, so like Cece, Michelle, Laurel, and Jimmy, they're showing Curtis the song Patience, like they're recording, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to run it. He's like, uh, no, music is supposed to something. sell, is yeah. what he says. Which, like, this would totally sell, you fucking idiot. I, God, yeah, I hate and he, so like, says, because Jamie's like, you want me to do a new sound? But Curtis is like, mm, you're not really what yeah. focusing on. You're selling how I want you to sell, so we're going to keep doing that. And, like, um, change your and, shirt. It's not it's not your style. Yeah, which... That I decided for you. Ugh. And it's after he leaves, <clears throat> we do see Jimmy, Jimmy going back to drugs going back to drugs and they're like come on man like you don't have to do this and then like everyone ends up leaving he's just like ignores them he's by himself yeah um, um and then we see effie is going to this uh jazz i think it's uh she's going to this jazz club presumably this the same one max like, Jimmy washington is the format. owner of the club max washington mm-hmm. played by ken page who is in a million things uh, Everything. But some other like musical related things. In the 1998 version of Cats, he was Old Deuteronomy. Uh, his Broadway debut was in 1976 playing Nicely Nicely Johnson. Yeah. Interesting. He was okay. Nicely Nicely Johnson in an all black revival of Guys and Dolls, which he then won a theater award for. Uh, nice. But he's also Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep. And it's really interesting. And I. It'll be interesting when that movie comes up for this podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, not great things about the character of Oogie Boogie and what that, you know, stuff like that represents. But with a lot of Disney related things, you're in the movie, you voice the movie and then any like spinoffs, video games, short little things, they usually get different actors mm-hmm. to play it. Not Oogie them. Boogie. Yeah. It's Ken Page. And Kingdom Hearts 3, the most recent Kingdom Hearts, like the past couple years, it is him in that video game. Amazing. He was like, this is mine. Can't be anyone else. I like, love that for you. Yeah. So. So. Marty is um, talking to him and be like, all time sake, get like, come to, on. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, I know who Effie is. No. And, um. And he manages to convince him at least to, like, stick around and gets Effie in. While Effie, like, comes in, so sorry I'm late, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's, like, very honest to her. He's like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't... And and she was like, oh, I don't know that guy. Like, I don't want to, like, perform with someone I don't know. And they're like, well, you have to. But if you're not, okay, bye. And then she talks to the pianist. And is like, do you know this song? And we get into the song. I am changing. Which, (sighs) ugh. Again, I, I literally wrote down, again, no notes, except, god damn. Just the the depth of this song. Like, I am changing, trying every way I can. I am changing. I'll be better than I am. Because like, in the very uh, beginning, before she's singing, uh, Marty said something along the lines of, you have the t- you want to have the talent, the recognition without the responsibility. Mm-hmm. This is her being accountable and responsible for her actions. For her actions, yeah. But I Again. but I need you. I need a friend. Um, or no no. But I need a friend to help me start all over again. Um, I need you. I need a hand. And just like the recognition of like yeah, Effie, you can't do this alone. Like 
you need to work with people and that requires compromise. That means that what you want might not always happen. But at the same time, I will say she was compromising before for years. She was compromising before. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But um, again, she was, after she this wasn't song, the only one in the wrong. Before. I like I fully was out of breath at the end of this song. Oh like God, I just yes. like ran like ten miles. And her, oh my God, when it transitions to her actually performing in the club, her outfit. Oh, Ooh. Raven, and Ooh. everyone's just like, what? Everyone's just like, fuck. Everyone yeah. loses their minds because it's <coughs> Effie White. It is Jennifer Hudson. It's yeah. When you sing a song that you truly connect with, mm-hmm. magic happens. Truly magic. Not talking about her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yeah, this, this, this scene is beautiful. Her voice is beautiful. And the way she ends it, mm-hmm. nothing's going to stop like, It's me Christmas now. time that this is going <clears throat> on. Yeah. And then we get to, like, we hear Perfect World by The Campbell Connection. Um, which is it's important it's important that it's Christmas because that means we're coming up on New Year's and it was the performance that they kicked her out for um, was a New Year's performance when they brought in Michelle nearly a decade ago nearly a decade ago yeah and we see <clears throat> that Laurel and Jimmy are talking and we find out that Jimmy's wife is in the audience tonight for Rainbow Records 10-year anniversary. Melba Early, played by Dawn Lewis. And she ooh, first of all, she's built. And she's rocking. Jalisa in a different world. Mhm. Uh more recently she was in the, the Star Trek Lower Deck show. She's been in Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, Veronica Mars. Futurama. She was. Oh, she uh, wasn't Veronica Mars. Yep, she that. was. She was uh, Grimm's mother in the Grimm Adventures of Billy and Mandy, um, but also for a different world with uh, the the creator of the show was Bill Cosby, and with him and Stu Gardner, she composed the theme song to it. I did not know that. Yes. Yes. Oh nice. wow. Some like a lot of times I really want to like surprise you with like some of these like credits and stuff like that. You and always do. Amazing. Uh Don Lewis. And so then we hear that Laurel's like, Oh, your wife's here? Fine, have a drink. Get fucked up. Whatever. I need a drink too. It's been eight years. Oh, it's been eight years of it's, unmarried yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And Laurel's like, you never really loved me. And we get into the song, I Meant You No Harm, slash Jimmy's, Jimmy's rap, rap. Where Jimmy's like, I gotta where perform. Jimmy goes crazy on stage and live network television. And he like, at first, I Meant You No Harm, he's like singing to his wife, to Laurel. But also they singing both, to Laurel. They both recognize that he's singing he's to He's singing to else. another woman. Yep. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, and then he strips on uh, live television. Because he was like, hey, we're here for Curtis. Let's stop singing this sad shit. You know what? Yeah, and, and also, like, like other I'm taking my sound band. back. This is not the sound that I want He gets other this members of the band. He's like, do this, do this, let's jam, let's do something. And he raps. And it's like, people are enjoying it. 
Oh yeah, like from, and from Curtis a jazz, is from a furious. music standpoint, it is is fantastic. Curtis is furious. Yeah, and then and then he starts taking off his clothes, and they're like, "Okay, we gotta cut it." Okay, this is. But yeah. like to that point, I was just like, "Everyone's enjoying it. It's fine." Yeah. And then and then Curtis fires him, and Laurel dumps him in the same. And Laurel dumps him man. in front of his wife. Yup. And oh my gosh, her that that those couple lines. Laurel that loves she Jimmy. Sings, Laurel loves Jimmy. It's true, but Laurel and Jimmy are through, and just. Oh my God, the, the honey of her voice, when she sings those lines, I can't, I can't take it, Campbell. I simply can't. I truly cannot even. And then, so he's fired, and we get into a reprise of mm-hmm. family that family. is, as you so aptly said, prior, hollow. Yeah, and it's great. Uh, no, like, it sounds good. And it's even it's even more ironic now because uh, before it was like, okay, the family has issues, and we've kicked one of our own out. But now it's like the family is fully broken up at this point. Yeah. Uh, but and you're you still see... singing the song, and like the way it kind of fades into that that sort of minor chord at mm. the end. It's like it's it's an echo of what it once was. It's an echo of what it was before, but it also. The music does not resolve itself. Yes. The melody never resolves. Yeah. Mm. Which is such a cool I musical and literary tool. Ugh, I love that. And so then, like, while the song is going on, you see that Dina is meeting with these, like, movie people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jerry Harris and Sam uh, Walsh, played by John Lithgow and John Krasinski. Um, representation matters mm. <laughs> <laughs> for my whiteys out there. Um, oh we got Jim from the office and she is explaining to him it was like no this part in this movie I want this however here's some notes one this is not how black why people the are. fuck is her name Dawn <laughs> which is so funny because Jimmy's wife's actor's name is Dawn <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> yeah uh. um, and she's explaining to them and they're like you're too pretty for this role. And she was yeah. like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And they're like, oh, potty mouth. Oh, wait. You're a person. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Um, and also, like, again, like, some of the... Some of the lines that they throw at her, again, like, really shows, like, the kind of culture that a lot of these artists were having to deal with. Like, lines like... Like, even, like, little things, like, oh, like, when we get in bed with you on this, and, like, um, Curtis has you on a tight leash, and, like, all the time or stuff, and it's just, like, she's a grown-ass fucking woman. Like, one, she's not just a sex icon. Like, I understand that you want to have sex with her. Doesn't mean she wants to have sex with you, for one. Two, like, she's a grown woman, and, like, yes, Curtis is controlling, but, like, at the end of the day, like, she has her own dreams and her own voice, and this is her trying to find that. And the more you and she's really trying to communicate with that, them. Yeah, which she's is like no, like it's like I see your vision. I I and I want like, to be she, a part of that. I want to be a part of it. I respect you because I think this is for me. I think this can be great. However, we need to work together to elevate it. And they're yes. just like, oh, what she has ideas. Go fuck yourself. Sometimes I fucking hate being a woman, honestly. Ugh, the amount of men who just don't take you seriously, it's crazy. And this is not the first time we've talked about 
of how a story that takes place in like like decades ago still has very relevant messages today in the 21st century and i hate that for us um no. yeah so now dinner time mm-hmm and um wait no right before that are you talking about dinner time with curtis and uh and dina yeah because no, no, she was saying how that, dawn is not a real person and she wants to make it a real person and then we hear yeah, but that, that's that's we have the, that's later though we have like multiple songs before no before the dinner where curtis talks about knowing about that meeting there's multiple songs before that point like oh, oh, sorry, sorry. She's not real. We do find out that Cleopatra is still in the work, and they ask her, "Will Curtis let you on this?" That won't be a problem. That's why I read next to my notes. I assumed the dinner was after. That's gotcha. No. So, so next we go to we Cece's talking about a, there's a, a new song, song that's that they're cut. coming out with. Yes. Jimmy, don't crawl. Mm. And then we get on to step on over. Mm-hmm. Step, step, step on over. And we see that Jimmy has died. He is over. Yeah, so, well, one, we see that Cece is also getting frustrated with Curtis, constantly yeah. changing his sound and blah, blah, blah. And then we find out, yeah, Jimmy died of a heroin overdose. Um, so Laurel is obviously distraught. Um, and Curtis is basically a monster now. Like, Curtis, Curtis said he did this to himself. Yeah. He did this to himself. He bought this to himself. Like, there was no helping him. There was no saving him, basically. Um, and, like, when uh, Cece and Michelle are leaving the room, he sure says, like, Michelle, Cece can quit. You can't. Like, I no. expect you back here for rehearsal, basically. Yeah. And it's just, like, they, he completely takes away their personhood. Yeah. You know? And then you yeah. see um, magic and Effie, like, going up the stairs, and Magic's mm-hmm. like, why are you so slow? And she's like, I'm fucking old. I'm old. <laughs> also, how the fuck was Cece already in their apartment? Do they not lock the door? No, their dad was there. Oh. I missed that. Yeah, the dad was oh, there. Oh, I looked so away. So then, like, Magic goes yeah, to the I door, forgot. and it's like, yeah. Cece's there. Yep. Effie sees Cece. She's not old and Please. slow anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she fucking books And then their, their dad is just like, Magic acts her just, She's like, oh, who's that? like, who's that? It's like, that's your uncle. That's your uncle. Yep. Okay, you're right. I remember that. Um, and, then, and then, we, so get, we get, to get to the wake. The wake. Who, the jazz singer that's singing. Oh, who is it, Campbell? Who is it? Well, let me tell you. A little woman known as Loretta. Loretta Devine. Loretta Devine. Dear God, I love that woman. Who was Laurel in 1981? Uh, that's that's who it was. I see that for her. She's also an amazing singer. Yeah. And she's I also mean, been in Laura a Devine, shit ton of stuff. She's been a million things. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, uh, Family Reunion, uh, Doc McStuffins. She's like, like it. a lot of them are in Doc McStuffins. One of fact. my favorite black rom-coms. Boston Public. Jumping the Broom. Yes. It's pages of credits. Yes, lit- and she, literally. She is singing in honor of Jimmy and is talking to Marty, and they're like, "Yeah, that little, that that little." He punk. was a little shit. <laughs> However, like we miss him. They're yeah, like we being really we honest and true to like who he was as a person. Yeah. In this club, and we see and, Effie. And, and Jimmy, Effie's like, at and the bar. 
And I, I think that's something that's that's great about a lot of these characters, um, is that yes, they're flawed, but you still develop a love for them. Like I, the I would people. say, Kurt, I would say Curtis is probably the one that's like the most flawed that you have the least love for because obviously. But I would say Jimmy is like right in that sweet spot of like he's an incredibly flawed character. Um, he definitely has a lot of issues. You're like, oh, Jesus, fuck, dude. But like at the end of the day, like he is. He is a, 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 a genuine artist and yeah. he is truly talented and is um, and is a good soul in his own way. And it definitely is still a loss, you know, his like losing him. It's it's not something like I, I feel like at no point are you um, like shocked or confused by the character's responses. Like it makes total sense that people yeah. would be distraught at his passing, you know. And so then what Loretta is singing, I miss you, old friend. It's just really yeah. sweet. Oh, such a sweet song. And then, and then we, we get see into... Cece yeah. and goes up to Effie. Effie leaves. And this version, they have like dialogue that's pretty much, I need you. I'm so sorry. I have a song. It's good. Like really good, but you're the only one that can sing it. And yeah. it's not like you need me. He was like, I need you sister i was young and stupid and this is expressed so wonderfully through song in the director's cut because we see a lot of comparisons and a lot of things that they say um like how she like felt a lot like i'm changing he's seeing that at her and he was she was like yeah i'm changing too and we really see their like character growth like the paths of their character growth how it aligns and how they can like how they truly love and can help each other like if See, they if they didn't have this growth like they wouldn't be able to connect and maybe it's like oh i'm not gonna do this song but it's like oh that's exactly what i needed to hear from you in song it's, form <clears throat> it's interesting that you say that because this is the song that like again i've heard it before like i've seen it before in this film but like this is a song that I'm like, I can do without this. Like, I I think when it's there, it definitely does play a role in the story. But I have no issue with this song being cut. Like, I don't dislike I, it. But to me, it's like you can... You know, I think from it. a literary standpoint, I think it, like, adds a lot. Like, well, it more directly connects, connects different motivations of characters more explicitly. Which and I that's think, fair. I guess to me, like, I don't the, feel just like just how the, the song... two of them sing together, I can never get enough of. I think to me, and I, I agree with all of that, but I think to me, like, something about this song, and I, I can't, I can't pinpoint it, but something about this song just doesn't feel like it fits the rest of the movie to me. Like, to me, all the other songs are like, all of them individually are amazing, hmm. like 100%. Even the short ones, like even the ones with yeah. a couple lines or whatever. But this song to me, like it just never felt like it fit the movie. Which is interesting because I feel like so differently about it because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the great musical moments of this uh, between brother and sister, like how he comes in and like in family, yeah. it's like that grounding that then is just lost that they are like recentering themselves as characters in their community in what they consider their family that doesn't that's not like grounded again through song unless this song was here 
that's fair. And, and okay, so I guess like the purpose that the song serves, I think, is important to the story. I guess I just wish you're just not I, feeling I, it. I can't even explain <laughs> how or how, but like, I I just wish the song were different. I wish like the melody and like the arrangement of it were were different. I don't I don't okay. know how, but yeah, I just it's don't definitely care for the it. more sing talky. Yeah, and to song. me, it's it's very much That's like it's the most conversational song that they have in the movie. It's which I do the... see that being very distinct and from because like a lot of the other, other songs song. they have, like even when there's conversation, it's still poetry. It's still very much like song, and I feel like this song they didn't do as much of that. It was more okay. conversational. I see that. Yeah, I think that's why. I, I don't agree, but I see that. <laughs> I, I understand your your position, and I respect it. So we hear that song that he needs Effie to sing. One haunting night only. is the only word I can describe oh my it. Gosh. One night only. And then gets on the radio, like the local radio, and ma- when Magic hears it on the radio, and then there uh. as a family listening to it together. Mm. It's beautiful. And this is Effie getting her break, you know? Yeah. Until Curtis hears it. And Curtis is like, oh, CC wrote it, so we own it. Immediately, and like, tries to take is it. Is uh, who, it? Who's like, let's not do this to Effie? Wayne, yeah. Wayne, yeah. Um, and then we get into One Night Only, parentheses, disco. The disco version. And the Which, thing I find interesting about this is that in this version, they change you to I. So um, the only problem is you really don't have the time. Uh, it's now changed to I really don't have the time. And so the song, especially with the disco up, like yeah. remix or whatever, takes on more of a like, oh, I'm this fancy star who like, I don't have time for all the lovers I have. You know, like I have one night only. Whereas it started off as like this deep, intimate, emotional piece about like, I love you and I want to be with you and like we have this deep connection, but you only have one night to be with me. We need to make the most of it. And it, the the it's it's again that loss of soul, that complete loss of any really genuine emotional intimacy and vulnerability for the sake of marketability, profitability, and image. Um, two things. One, let's finish talking about the song and make another drink. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was me continuing with this conversation. Um, <laughs> which, like, and it's just so frustrating that because of Curtis, and not just Curtis, a lot of people, it takes more than one person, but they Catholic card people in their own community. Yeah. And I wrote, ugh. Dot, 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 dot. Love the jumpsuits, though. It's still a good song, but it's a different song with its same yes. title. Yes. Yes. But it's, like, a pretty good and the, song. And the it's meaning, like, I was feeling The it. meaning of the song has changed. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. just a completely different now. Yeah. And to, um, me, to me, it's no it's different than, like, when an artist... Um, I, I, that's why I love when artists make like stripped down like acoustic versions of their songs because a lot oh. of times they can make the song take on a completely Have different I, feel to I, it. I brought, he was one of the first artists I talked about when we were like, oh, what have you been listening to recently? Ricky Montgomery, who mm. is like blowing up right now. And so that makes me feel kind of good. Uh, but he has this one song, Talk to You, that like this past like few months he released like acoustic versions of, mm-hmm. so, like stripped down, like you're saying. Ugh, Raven, so Love good. That. 
Um, okay, so before we get into the dinner scene between Curtis and Dina, do you want to go ahead and make another drink? Because I'm thinking, like, right now I just have, like, less than a page worth. Like, it's this dinner scene and then listen and then dream girls i think finale. one more drink like would be good because i want to have another drink cheers two friends two music two feelings together Ooh, look at that glitter look at it amazing <sighs> you perfected it mm. But you That's can like... get the extra half ounce of Hennessy, which is needed. You're welcome. This is a oh. uh, collaborative podcast effort. That's exactly um, what I wanted. The Hennessy adds like a depth to it. Yeah, you know? it's like you need to taste it. Which is it's, um, which is the point of it. <laughs> I love that because like the times like I've created a cocktail, there's only one that I practice, and that was the fancy gamble. But the yeah. other ones, I I do have the intention of like ah, it's probably going to be around this. We drink it. Oh, that's good. Throughout the podcast, how can we make you, it better? It evolves, it which evolves. I, which I love because I think like I think it's kind of how both of us work. Like I think we have amazing ideas on our own, and then we take it to the other person, and they're like, "Ooh, but what about this?" And you're like, mm-hmm. "You're goddamn right." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is very much our friendship, and I love that. Dinner time. Yes. So, uh, After... Curtis and Dina are having a tense <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Cut the tension with a knife. Um, and Curtis says to Dina, the Cleopatra movie, it's ready. Yep. We're going to do it. And she's like, I don't know, I'm busy, I'm tired. He was like, he's oh like, yeah, what, you must be like, meetings? <laughs> yeah, I'm super tired from that. And she's like, fuck. And he was like, you think I'm stupid? And he's basically like, I own you. Yeah, and this is where he says, like, oh, you know I picked you to be the lead of the dreams because your voice has no personality, has no depth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how fucking dare you and then say she's those like, words to, like, I, I really want to know, like, I, I really want to see interviews from the, the, the actors in this movie because a lot of times in, in these sort of scenes, like, actors talk about how, like, oh, it, it felt weird acting the scene like oh my gosh like i was in the scene mm-hmm. with this person i want to see a jamie fox interview about dream girls one about watching jennifer hudson perform and i'm telling you like at him and, and also two, all the women posting up words, after <laughs> they were saying these words to beyonce your voice has no personality yeah. and no depth i just <laughs> I yeah and because he says that after Dina says, hey, music, this is your thing. You're so good at it. I mean, she's still trying to mm-hmm. appease her husband. Yeah. And she's like, this movie is perfect for me. Movies are different than music. And he was like, doesn't get it. He was like, no, nope. it's just to make money. All, all art is just to make money. Which, like, it always, like, I get it, uh, but I don't know. And something that we've done with this podcast is, oh, there's something I really enjoy doing i am i am glad for myself i don't then take that thought to how can i profit off of this it's some things i just enjoy for the sake of doing which comes from a lot of like you know uh like i have i have a job that pays my bills that that kind of financial security that i Mm -hmm. 
whether I should or should not make time for some of this stuff with like the work that I do, but it's still, I have the ability to let hobbies be hobbies. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, I'm just glad that I don't have to have the thought, whether I'm in a like, you know, financial stable position or not, that I don't want to take it to attaching it with, you know, money and capitalism. Yeah. And and I, I think and and maybe if we do another like interview with with musicians again, this would be an interesting like kind of topic to broach, but I I, I can only imagine that what is it's a really like good... to straddle that line as a as an up and coming musician, especially as an independent artist. Where it's like I'm... obviously yes, you're in this because of the passion and like you love making music and all of that. But at the end of the day, like if you want this to be your career, if you want this to be your profession, at some point you do have to think about how am I going to sustain myself? Like how am I going to make sure that I'm able to build capital off of this and and i i can't imagine what walking that line is like of being authentic and being yourself and and kind of uh performing unapologetically a little bit but also understanding that at the end of the day you do have to appeal to some audience to be able to make money you know this is a really good thing that I'm writing down on a sticky note that I will now have on my desk monitor so we will not forget it because uh, that's super interesting to talk about. I want to talk about it more and we will have an opportunity to do that. So Cool. Love that. Love that for us. Um, yeah, so a couple of lines that he throws out during the scene. Um, Lay it on me. I don't want those men handling you because they don't know how, implying that he has really only been handling her this yes. entire time. Which Correct. is exactly how he treats her. He doesn't treat her like her own independent person with her own opinions and feelings and thoughts and decisions. Can I say a line stuff. that I hate? Absolutely. It might be the same one I have written down next. Dina, time. I forgive you. Yup. Fuck you. You can fuck off. I wrote, Dina, I forgive you. Quote, Dina, I forgive you. End quote. Hyphen, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Furious. And that, that fuck you is written all over her face. And then that fuck you is expressed mm. in the next song, Listen, that we're recording, Ooh. which I love. But he's like, oh, I'll yes, show you no, creepy. I'll show you no personality. Uh. And it's so funny. I like imagine in like the recording booth, like the guy next, like the guys next to him are just like, man, she's really feeling this song. I wonder what she's connecting with. And then we just see Curtis be like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun for me. But again, just like my dreams will not it? be pushed aside. This is like this is my life. Mm -hmm. I'm not at home in my own home. And you know what? Good for her. Go through his yeah. shit. Uh, uh, I I followed the voice you think you gave to me. Like, bitch, I, I had this to start with. And, it, like, I mean, it's so frustrating. Not even just I had to start that... with. Like, this is mine. Like, this is yeah. the one of the few things in this world that is actually mine, and you're trying to take even that. And it's so interesting because in a definitely lesser situation because he has, like, so much control, but just the concept of how someone perceives you and how someone mm -hmm. views you like in their head this is you to me and how that does not actually relate to who they are 
He's like, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. He's like, I'm not the image you see me as. And I feel bad yeah. for you. And like, it's a, it, it's a sucky thing that people do to each other. And sometimes that you feel for yourself. I've had friends um, that are like, they have an image of me. This, so they uh, attribute a lot of um, actions and thoughts that maybe I didn't say or didn't do, but to fit that narrative. And that's what he's doing. He's fitting a narrative of what he needs and wants her to be. Yeah. And she's just like, listen here, punk. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, she finds the receipts. Mm, Literally speaking. And, and she's like, oh, what must that have been like to be in the Yeah, when she likes going Beyonce. through his stuff, seeing all this stuff, like connections <clears throat> with like, you know, how he's gotten a lot of this money, but also finds Effie's record. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if she knew about that before this point. I assume she didn't. She she did, and she actually. And we see she her. Did it. And she she actually says crying when she calls, on the phone. Yeah, when she calls Effie, or like later when she's talking to Effie, she says she straight up says like, Still "I had song, no idea song. that he stole that song from you. Like I no. I didn't know, and like I would." And never you see, have she's like has me. like a cigarette. She's like so like distressed, and she's like mm-hmm. talking to like she see her on the phone. That she is could not be more remorseful of like what she has, um, not consciously been a part of. Yeah. But still a part of, you know, still fully a part of, um, and I think that I, I don't know, I was really happy for that moment in this movie. Yeah, and and I really love that. And again, like the character development, Show like depth and like personality. Dita... Dina this entire time has been someone who, yeah, has sto- has sort of let her story be played out for her. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying like, like uh, she's taken advantage of the opportunities that have been given to her, but she has, uh, it, it's she's had a journey finding her voice, you know, and, yeah. and for a long her time she let Curtis speak finding her. her voice. Effie's journey is reclaiming her voice. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Yes. I would claim yes. my time. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, oh, yeah. So in the booth, oh, Jimmy's so looking a little nervous from how well she's singing this song. Jimmy... Curtis. Oh, Curtis. Yes. yes. Jimmy yes. is dead. <laughs> but yes. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Uh, yeah, Curtis looking, looking a little nervous. She seems to be really into this um, whole finding her own voice thing. Um, and then during this little fun montage, we see Cece and some mm-hmm. lawyer and some and people Marty. come up and, oh, fun fact, Curtis's secretary mm-hmm. is played by Yvette Nicole Brown. <sighs> I, I just... six seasons in a movie, um, I... have seen community so many times and my two favorite characters from community are Shirley and Britta. Interesting. Um, mine would be, and for some reason I can't remember his name, but mine would be Shirley and Donald Glover's character. Troy. Troy. Yeah. Troy Barnes. I, don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Yes. Um, <laughs> Donde. La Biblioteca. Oh. <laughs> um, which uh, Yvette Nicole Brown was also in the newest, like the the Muppets Haunted Mansion. 
Um, mm-hmm. And she's been in literally everything. She she's, is so oh, funny. She's hilarious. As the judge in the two, uh, that she's in two episodes of uh, a black lady sketch show. When Ooh. it's like black oh, lady seen, courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. For season one that. and two. Yeah. Everyone watch a black lady sketch out. It's oh, so fucking funny. So amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Ugh. I just love that. Um, and I know I'm not alone that black media doesn't have to be necessarily about the, you know, the strife of being black in America. That not you can all just black be. media needs to be black tragedy porn. Yes. You can just be fucking goofy. You can just exist in this world as a black person. Millions of us do it. <laughs> Every day. day. <laughs> um, and I love it. Black Lady Sketch Go is so fucking funny. Um, amongst so many other things. But yeah, that's who is the secretary. Um, and... Oh, and then we see. So yeah, so they're like officially. Like, yeah, basically Marty and CC and, and them. And um, Curtis comes up, and Marty's like, "I still see you a second class snake." Oh, oh, burn! And uh, Curtis is like, first class to you." Well, we're gonna go to the feds if. Shut the fuck up, Curtis. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, anybody think about you? Because <laughs> um, he's falsified records, like all this connection to like where he's gotten a lot of his money. Mob, yeah, mob. And money, then we like, see uh, Effie and Dina talking to each other, and Effie's like, "Yeah, I'm really happy now." Yeah, because she's she's magic her is life nine. Back. And when she says that, Dina's just like, hold up. And oh, she's mm. like, Curse comes in and's like, he has no idea. Yeah, he's like, be too much. he's like, Dina, I'll deal with you later. And it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. And so there's a um, nationwide distribution of Effie's version of One, of night, one night Only. Of One Night Only, which is so beautiful. And then we see, okay, this this next scene was my favorite scene in the movie. Um, when we Dina have the song, Effie's, Effie White's Gonna Win. Ooh. Ooh. Like when she like just sings those two lines to him like up in his face, I was like, <laughs> and then I realized when I was doing that like fun little laugh that I was fully crying, <laughs> and it was just such a weird experience. I was like filled with joy for this character, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, got him. But then I just like you know, it's like ah, oh, that was good, and then I just like touched my face. I was like. There's there's moisture. I I was crying at the exact same time. I oh this 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 movie. Oh my god! It is. It the was. Moment, I've never experienced that before. The moment when she sings uh, "Gonna" and she does that uh like I'm that gonna. just adds that little like petty that petty note. Yeah. Also, uh-huh. you're going weight. Look fatter. <laughs> Mm, you, you you need to lose some weight. Like, like you said, like like you said earlier this episode, say less. When I was pregnant with your child, mm. Mm. <laughs> and then mm. we see May is at Curtis and Dina's home. And it's like, what are you doing here? It's like my daughter needed me, and you see, she's packing yeah. up. She's leaving. Yeah. And May, hell yeah, absolutely. She's there for dina and um, she's so like effie see... did it i can start over effie did it so can i yeah hashtag representation um 
So then we see that the dreams are having their farewell performance back in Detroit. Um, and uh, Curtis comes with gowns. a new person. Yeah, what, Tiana something? I, no, I don't know who's her name. going to be like, oh, here's a new up and comer. And they're like, we're not here for you. No one gives a fuck. These um, fucking gowns. Their gowns. Oh my God. First of all, all of them have amazing bodies, but just like. The, what? the slip, the satin, the ooh, the and shimmer. And honestly, something that you're very good at as well that they do a lot in Hard to Say Goodbye, this song, the diva stretch. Ooh, I love that. It's hard to say fun. You have to practice that. I have to yeah, practice yeah that I know you have every day of your fucking <laughs> life. I know you, Raven. <laughs> love that. Love it. Love it. Um, oh, and then uh, we see that Effie is there to do their singing. Oh, yeah. They're, they're like, and they're like, okay, now this is really our long, last song. I'm crying, but I'm happy. Altogether, we can't end our like our last song. There's three of us here, but there's actually there are four. Four, four. There's four dreams. And then Effie's on stage. And I am just sobbing. Filled with joy. <laughs> when like from the, every other so, moment of this So they're singing Dreamgirls finale. Magic's face. Her emoting when she's seeing her mother sing on yes. stage. Because she's she's leading the rest of the dreams. They're, they're the background singers for this song. Yeah. And magic and her dad it's just the acting to really convey a complete emotion and complex emotion that she does is just so powerful like, and and I, I think something that something that i think we as humans don't talk enough about is the immense sense of pride you can feel from the accomplishments of someone that you love raven and I'm going to give you an example of it. Ooh, what is it? When I, I'm actually tearing up right now. But Aww. Raven is a member, national officer of the fraternity we joined. Oh, shut and up. at their oh convention, gosh. she is, she leads this one committee. What is the committee, Raven, that I'm also a part of? Uh, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And there was a national newsletter that was sent out to all the members and it was about like efforts made by this committee and was striving to do better like as an organization and they had mm-hmm. a certain quote from raven and when i read it it made me feel a lot of emotions because raven i feel like our relationship has changed a lot when we first like i mean we're best friends now but when mm-hmm. we first met we were definitely like mentor mentee like relationship yeah. Mm-hmm. and there are like sometimes that like i still recognize that and i still feel that like i have like a child who has like grown up and is like <laughs> thriving and like when i read that i felt that s- such full force i just had so much pride in seeing you become the person you have become and see, it's interesting. It's interesting the way you say that because I think there's a very different relationship being on the other side of that and being mm-hmm. in. Oh in yeah, like what's that Magic's, like for you? 
and being in like Magic's position and being being the child slash the mentee. I am your seeing, Jennifer Hudson, correct? And seeing, <laughs> and, and seeing and I am seeing your F-U-Y. the person the person you already look up to achieve a level and a status that is just like you're just so happy for them and like the way I felt when you got your NSF grant. And just came. I don't think you understand how like that, that entire time when you were like getting into your PhD program and like figuring everything out, and then you got your NSF grant, like all that stuff, and just like how you kept me like updated on the entire like process, and like all and like I could feel how happy you were that you were doing the things you wanted to do with your life, and I just felt such an immense joy. Even just being a bystander, like watching you accomplish the things that you had set out to do, and just like, and I see you tearing up, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like actually, I'm like, like actually crying right and now. Like, and I and I love being able to, I love the fact that they captured that that true feeling of like seeing someone that you love so deeply, just achieve something that matters so much to them, like it's 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 a feeling that to me is like the definition of humanity itself because you uh, like you can only feel that if you're truly human you know uh. fucking hennessy <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's okay listeners we're just fully crying right now mm. well i am yeah i'm i'm bone dry because i'm a robot but that's why <laughs> I've, I've seen you cry before Raven. you have seen me cry a lot of people have seen me cry that don't realize that they've seen me cry yeah Oh, anyway, uh, um, Dream Girls this... finale. I love this arrangement. And then we do see Curtis like see realize how mm-hmm. Effie is like singing to matching, and he's like, "Hold up, that child!" Uh... <laughs> and like goes What's up the to her approximate age. <laughs> yeah, and then he's just kind of like standing there, not saying anything. Yeah, and Match just like this ain't about you. It's just like such. Like entranced by him, (laughs) by her mother, and then I wrote one last note. Fuck me up. (laughs) (laughs) Dream girls, like this movie fucks me up so good. Ugh, Campbell, stop crying. (laughs) I, 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 the things this musical makes me feel. I, I can't I you make me can't express you? in some cases no, like and, and and they're so meticulous with a lot of the like little details of the story and just a little quips and like saying like if you pay attention especially to the to the dialogue like the one-off lines from the characters like it really paints an entire picture an entire story of these characters lives and what they were going through and what the community was experiencing as a whole during this time and I just think, like, the level of artistry and, and depth of understanding that it takes to be able to really capture and contextualize that um, in a way that's honestly timeless. Like, this musical has been done and done again. Like, um, in the most, in one of the most recent uh, uh, versions of this musical, Amber Riley played Effie oh, and crushed it. Fucking Amber Dear Riley. God. <laughs> I'm like, I never watched Glee. Yeah. But fucking Amber Riley. Amber Riley. Oh my gosh. Just like, let's just give her a moment. Like, I... mm. Like, to have Jennifer Holliday, 
then Jennifer Hudson, and then Amber Wright. Like, it just, it makes sense. It, it just, just logically sense. tracks. <laughs> anyway, anyway, all this should stay in. Fiend. The end, of Fiend. The, end, <laughs> the end of the movie. I love how we had no more to say about the actual movie. Like, the, like the plot. About- but we were just, like, talking, because, like, I'm fucking crybaby. But anyway, uh, we already said Finn, so this is all going to be cut out. Raven. Are you going to learn me a thing or two? I would love to. So While I sort of ha- finish my drink. Nice. So we sort of have Feet two individuals up. to talk about right now. Um, so the original Dreamgirls musical um, was, uh, the music was done by an, America- an American musical theater composer named Henry Krieger. So he, um, like, Dreamgirls is one of his most notable works. Uh, so the lyrics and book were done by Tom Ian, um, and it uh, premiered on Broadway in 1981. So he's also worked on The Tap Dance Kid, which premiered in 1983, and with Sideshow, Wayne. which premiered in 1997. With Wayne, yes, that is the, same, Tony uh, the same musical that they were in. Um, so he actually was nominated for a Tony Award for Best Score for both Dreamgirls and Sideshow. Um, and he actually won the Grammy Award for Best Cast Show Album for the cast album of Dreamgirls. Because Sideshow is obviously. so good. Have you seen Sideshow? I have not seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. I've been meaning it's to watch so it. It's so good. I have to find somewhere to like watch it. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. He also, he also received three additional like nominations for Academy Award for Best Song for songs he wrote for the 2006 Dreamgirls film. Um, and those were, because uh, he wrote a bunch of new songs for the film version specifically. Um, and so he was nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Song three times in one year for Listen, Love You, I Do, and Patience. All of which, as we've talked about, are amazing songs. The way I like turn my head and roll my eyes on those accomplishments <laughs> just pisses me off that people are like talented. He also, so uh, he attended uh, the school, like Scarborough School, uh, for like music and all that stuff. Um, and while he was there, he played in Gilbert and Sullivan's Ireland and Rudigore, uh, or Rudigore, I forget how it's pronounced. Um, but Gilbert and Sullivan, like, pirate, like Pirates of Penzance, like Gilbert and Sullivan are incredibly well-known and renowned, um, like, musical theater, like, playwrights. Um, and... I just, uh, yeah. So he he became like interested in like theater and the dramatic arts, and like studied creative and liberal arts at the American University in Washington D.C. and Columbia University, um, which is in New York. For anyone who doesn't know that, um, but he also studied down in Columbia, uh, like the country, Columbia, um, Columbia. Uh, graphical arts at the Pontifical Zavarian. Ziv- Xavierian, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, university down in Bogota. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, and he did collaborate a lot with Ian. So um, uh, Tom Ian, who did the lyrics and book for Dream Girls for the original musical. Um, and that just became like, uh, they've done a lot of other things, but uh, Dream Girls basically became their, one of their biggest work works. Um, but he also, in collaboration with, oh shoot, what's his full name? 
Um, in collaboration with Bill Russell, uh, who he worked on Sideshow with. Uh, Bill Russell wrote the book and lyrics for Sideshow. Um, he also wrote the song Santa's Gonna Rock and Roll, uh, which was the opening number at the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular for over a decade. Um, so just like, I don't know, he has a lot of, lot of credits, um, very talented individual. Um, he also, once again with Bill Russell, wrote the song We Have to Change, which was done for the Spare Some Change event, um, for New York artists, uh, New York City artists for Barack Obama song. back in 2008. Um, oh my God, I forgot. And that was that performed song. by Michael Leon Woolley, who, uh, Tiny Joe Dixon. Fuck it up, Louis the Gator. Fuck it up, Dark Side, with your uh, Omega Vision attack. Amazing. So yeah, so he obviously won a Best Original Song a best original or adapted song for, and I'm telling you, I'm not going, um, cause that deserves all of the awards in the, in the world. Um, it won the best original song award for, um, for listen. Um, and then the second individual. So Steven Trask, um, is an American musician and composer, um, who did the score for the Dream Girls film that was later adapted. So all mm. of the songs, gotcha. um, pretty much all of the songs are from the original uh, Dream Girls musical, but then the score in between was done by Steven, Stra- Steven Trask. And do you want to know yes. what yes. else Steven Trask is known for? I, Raven. Another musical Fuck that we are up. planning on doing, which is Hedwig and the Annie Ranch. Raven, I'm so excited for you to <laughs> watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to because some of the like, music, it. like it I like, have really saved cool. on my Spotify because it's just a uh, Origins of Love. Oh my, fuck me up! It's I'm so excited to go through that musical with you. I'm excited to watch it for the first time because every everything I've ever heard about it, like everyone I've ever heard talk about it, just absolutely loves it it's incredible yeah um and he actually won an obie award for the play and a grammy award nomination for the movie of hedwig and the angry inch um oh yeah so um so he's worked on uh five other films with like uh paul whites um name them uh, so he composed the score for in good company and american dreams um, he also uh, wrote or co-wrote for the film Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistant, um, and scored the films uh, Camp and The Station Agent and, and the Dream Girls, um, In the Land of Women, The Savages, The Backup Plan, um, among many other works. And he's also worked on Little Fockers, uh, which was the sequel to yeah. Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers. I I think he did some work on those as well, but I think he's mostly credited for um, Little Fockers. Um, and then he's also done some work on like Lovelace um, with Rob Epstein and Jeffrey yeah. Friedman and Admission, which is also directed by Paul Weitz. Um, so just like uh, all around, all around talented and amazing people who deserve all the acclaim that they are getting from this film because it's, Goddamn amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And with that... That's it. What shall we be playing tonight, Campbell? 
<sighs> Listeners. Tonight, Raven will be playing the violin, mm. and I will be supporting her on the bassoon <laughs> as she performs. I am changing. Mm. Fucking love that song. Goddamn, yes. Ugh. We will be right back. Hey everyone, in addition to our other nonprofit partners, I would like to do a quick plug for the Dodario Foundation. The Dodario Foundation is a nonprofit grant making organization that provides monetary and product support to high quality music instruction programs on the front line to improve access to music education. And every single cent raised goes directly to getting kids involved in community music programs, acquiring and maintaining instruments, providing college scholarships, and supporting new innovations in music education across 41 U.S. states and 180 cities. They accept monetary donations, of course, but also instruments. So if you have an old instrument that you no longer use, please consider donating it to the Dodario Foundation, where they can get it into the hands of a student in need. However you're able to contribute, you can go to dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. That is Dodario Foundation, D-A-D-D-A-R-I-O, foundation.org slash about slash donate. Now please enjoy the sultry sounds of me and Campbell destroying music. Something's wrong that I'm like, something's like up with my bassoon. So Okay, I, yeah, I, I thought we were together for most of it, but I couldn't quite tell. I couldn't quite tell if we were totally together, especially with the lag and everything. But I felt like, I don't know, I wasn't entirely sure if I stayed on the tempo that I counted. But I tried. Where did you end? I, I ended right at the end of 21. Okay, at the end of 21, I think we were a measure apart. You wanna... I, think I, can, I think I can definitely play 22 to the end of page 2. I could probably play up to The that, key change? Um, I'm thinking the second key change on page 3. The one at like measure... End of measure 40. End of measure 40. That's not a key change. That's just time change. Time Sorry, time. Change. Yeah, I meant time change. My bad. I Wait, think you, you can mean, play... Oh, no, the key change, key change. Yeah, no, no, sorry. I didn't see... I saw it, but I didn't see it. I, yes, okay. I can play it till So, second, we're going to start at measure 22, and we'll stop at the key change. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay. So, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, you stopped way sooner. Uh, where did you stop? I stopped at the 6-8 in measure 41. Oh, no. We and were just I know, and we I know I was going to the tempo. Off. Yeah, no, I must have sped up because we were multiple measures off. Yeah. Because I played through the end of 42 and was waiting to get to 43. Let's start. Let's try at- that again. I think we should start measure 38. The 12-8 on page yeah. 3. Does that sound right to you? Or does that sound rushed? Not, I, it's a little rushed, but like I can just adjust. Okay, I can also that's not that's, a bit. that's not the tempo you're setting. Probably, I, I believe you. I'm very bad at doing... One second, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right, because the tempo I'm setting mm-hmm. is more like... Okay, cool. Cool, cool. All right. 
So cool. 38. Yeah. Okay. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. We're stopping at the yes key signature. Okay, okay, cool. So we'll do okay. That was way more together. We'll do the key sing key change to the end then. Okay. I think we're gonna crush this. Let's do it. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. That was pretty good. I, I did get ahead of you because I think I was rushing, especially, or I don't know. I either got ahead or behind. I was off from you a little bit, but I think we did pretty well. That's the best I'm going to be able to do because I'm drunk. I loved playing this gamble. Okay, Thank good. That, so that was the, that was the design was for you to love to play this. <sighs> Campbell, you're amazing. Correct. And I love you for that. So Raven. Mm-hmm. How would you rate this on a scale of one to ten? Truly, like, I, I, I honestly, in a non-joking way, I honestly have no notes for this film. Like, they incorporated so many elements of issues that the Black community faces in terms of um, the concepts of, like, like, art and, and songs and, and content straight up being stolen from black artists. Um, issues of things like colorism and like body shaming and fat phobia um, and, and just the view and the, the treatment of the black woman in these sort of spaces and the way the black community found a way to like advance its artistry and like musicianship and all of that. And I just, I, I can't think of anything they could have done better, and thus I am required to award this musical a 10 out of 10. Well, in the laws that we have previously stated, if we agree on the rating, we'll be donating 50 bucks to music education. A. I guess we're doing it this time, because I would also rate it. it a 10 out of 10. So that's a hundred bucks we need to pay up, but we'll do it. Yep. Soon. Like this was just, it was just incredible. a spiritual experience. It was also like refreshing. Yes. For, for like, because the other things we see, even if it's bad, we find meaning in it. We didn't have to work this hard this episode. I didn't have to. <laughs> it just, it has, it. it has the substance, you know? Mm-hmm. Question. So with that, where can Campbell. you find us, Raven? No, <laughs> we were saying at the same time, but I finished first. So where can we find us, Raven? Anyway, um, Campbell, mm-hmm. you can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are found on Stitcher, or on iHeartRadio, or on Pandora, on Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Notice how I didn't say Spotify, even though that is one of the other places you can find us. And when you find us, listeners. I would love for you to like us, to rate us, hopefully five stars, to uh, subscribe or follow or whatever the app allows. Um, And of course, all of this is at your own volition. But if you do choose to like us and rate us and comment, uh, you can comment with uh, a musical preference or email us at musical.gmail.com. 
um, or slide into our DMs on Instagram at Boozicals. Uh, and if you do, um, we hope that you choose to promote us. We hope that you choose to let us know how you're feeling about the podcast. Uh, this can let us know, uh, one, how our listeners are engaging, but also make sure that we get more exposure and visibility to new listeners so that our uh, causes with music education and helping the youths uh, can be furthered to more to more people. Raven, I'm so filled with love from recording this episode. <laughs> I don't think I could love you more as a person. So uh, good night, I everybody. Love you so much. Good night, everybody. Damn. Ooh. We done it. We done did it. <laughs>